50 episodes. Thank you, guys. Hello, and welcome to Triangle Squared. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Saw Bridges, bringing you lucky episode 50. Lucky episode Didn't 50. forget this one this time. We didn't forget the number. We normally kind of have to go back and forth, check last episode. <laughs> more often than I, more often than we really should have yeah. been doing this for a while. But uh, yeah. Unless I brought the thumbnail over ready, um, I had to always look it up. So yeah, but we know see, this one. But that's, that's what we do. You know, it's part of the magic that makes the show even possible. If we didn't screw up occasionally, it wouldn't even be fun, Saul. So. I know. Or, you know, just didn't know what we were doing generally. It's the fact that we don't know what we're doing that makes this so fun, you know. It's a discovery that everybody can join us on. Yeah, we, okay, that's not enough credit. We mildly know what we're doing. We just aren't, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. <laughs> I don't know. I it, it's obvious games. that we don't get to do this for a living is what it comes down to, which is, you know, yeah, unfortunate. we're going to make but... a Patreon. You guys pay us, and we'll, we'll retire. <laughs> we'll re- yeah, we'll re- completely retire, and we'll come up with one episode every day. That's what we'll do. Yeah, I'll live stream for the rest of the days, too. Y'all think I'm kidding. <laughs> well, all jokes aside, Saul, what have you been up to this week? I haven't really, even Wednesday, I didn't see you, and I'm pretty sure you were off. Well, don't forget to tell them that we are Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. Okay, you look. You can find us okay, on hold YouTube, up, hold up. SoundCloud, iTunes, anything but Spotify. I'm a little drugged up, okay? I know. You have for those who are stone. unaware, I have a kidney stone, So, and I was in it. ultimate pain yesterday. Yeah, he is. And I, I'm i all too familiar with how they feel. They are Seth awful. Too. the worst. Yeah, I know, right? I almost texted Seth and be like, why didn't you warn me more? <laughs> yeah, oh, there's no warning for a kidney stone. So anyway, yeah, it's, it's so easy to just roll it off be like, I'll never get that. It sucks for them, but I'll never get one until you get one. Until you get one. So yeah, you- sorry about that. Yeah, we are Triangle Squared. You can find us on SoundCloud, all iTunes, podcast services, YouTube, whatever, Spotify. you know. Uh, but yeah, so this week I've been playing... Um, a lot of Monster Hunter, as usual, as as per the usual. Picked up Gunlance. Having a lot of fun with that. Um, so, hit, hit, well, okay, Gunlance. Is that, Gunlance is separate from the bow guns, right? Uh, Gunlance isn't a gun at all. Uh, it has a technique called shelling. So, like, I can do a pokey poke and then shoot a shell. But it's not, like, long range by any means. But it's different than the normal lance, right? Yeah. It's, it, one, of the, it's one of the weapons I haven't used. It, it's a shield and lance, but uh, the tip of it can explode, and it has something called a wyvern stake, uh, which is pretty cool. It's like you insert a big old shooting-off piece of metal into a monster, and it sits there and sizzles for tick damage for, like, four seconds and explodes. That's cool. So it's a super fun weapon to use. I don't think I've even seen anybody use that. Oh, if you play with us tonight, you will. I don't know if you are going to fill up to playing, but... We'll see. As long as I don't have to to drug myself up with the hardcore, more drug stuff, um, we will see. I will will gladly do that, because I need to play some more. Uh, I did manage. RJ hopped on and helped me, because I was playing a little bit of it, too. This is my first week coming back to Monster Hunter with all the crap going on. Uh, And RJ helped me do... uh, Kashala is that yeah. his name? The Steel Dragon or yep, whatever? The most annoying one uh, of them all. Mainly because I got to, you know, the first day I, uh, I did it, did it by myself, got through all of the, you know, got to where it went back to its um, lair thing. And when it went to its lair, Just tornadoes be- everywhere. Everywhere. Yep. And it got me. Killed me it's, all three times. In the, bam, bam, bam. And it made me so mad. Something cool about that um, fight is that, so I was using, I was, do, I was doing this yesterday. I was playing, um, I keep want to say Charge Blade, but I was playing Greatsword. And a lot of people know that if a monster's asleep and you plant down bombs, you want the Greatsword, to, the person to use the, their main charge attack to hit the bombs and do massive damage. Um, so, like, on top of his little, on top of that mountain, he has, like, a little sleepy thing that's above, above the rest of the whole entire ground. 
And there's a wedge beetle that's up above on a pole, and you can swing off that and land on to him. And I couldn't do that to work. What I had to do was run up the wall and grab the side because uh, I could never get the wedge beetle to work. And then RJ was like, oh, if you just run, you can run up the side of the edge and grab onto yeah, it. Yeah, no, you up. could do that too. But what I was doing was a super cool anime charge blade attack where yeah. I swung off and jumped and I charged blade down. I did that and then I missed. And then saw all the randoms I was playing with didn't end up with the crying emojis for like a solid two minutes into the <laughs> into the emotion chat, which was hilarious. Um, but yeah, Kushala is by far the bane of my existence. I had to make the legs yesterday and... The armor is pretty sick looking though. It, it looks is. like, uh, like actually, RJ said it right. It looks like some like early Final Fantasy armor. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought like Poseidon style armor. Sure, uh, sure. If you definitely, like if you colored it right, you know, give it, give it a little blues in there. Yeah, it, it's it's certainly cool though. Um, but yeah, I farmed him a lot. Val has axe, probably my favorite of the three. Uh, I don't like Teostra that much at all. I haven't uh, fought him, but I have the about. Oh. I've got the ability to. The only one I haven't found I'll is help you probably the tonight. one that you said, which is finding the tracks in the uh, Rotten Vale. So, uh, but okay, anything outside of Monster Hunter? Uh, PUBG. PUBG. Yeah. Yeah. Still uh, on computer. Um, been playing that. Downloaded the Sea of Thieves open beta yesterday, and they are having some issues with it. I played for like an hour or two, but the first couple of times I tried to play, they that game launches this month, doesn't it? Like three days. Oh God! I think it's like March eighteenth or fifteenth or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was it was super fun for what I got to play, but they went qu- uh, down quickly. I downloaded VR chat not knowing you didn't have to have VR to play it. I didn't know you didn't have that. Uh, well, I mean, it's free. I guess that makes sense on computer. Do you really have to have VR? They're not going to you can no, like, even then you could get around the arbitrary thing. It's, it's like Steam. It's, it's on Steam. It's free. Um, Steam has a little section at the very bottom of your library for VR titles. Yeah. So you can launch that or you can launch the regular game. The first instance I started playing it, though, I just picked um, ra- some random avatar because I hadn't custom made any or downloaded any, and went in there. And there's a there's some anime girl standing up on the stage, and it was like a 15 year old dude singing, and he was doing the really high pitched uh, like voice cracking screams that like you know you hear people do mm-hmm. at that age, and it was hilarious. Everybody was telling him to get off the stage, and he kept walking around on stage doing that scream, and everybody was pretty much running away from him. So right. it's super fun, but really that's that's all this week. Uh, you know, a little bit of Celeste here and there on the Switch, and then uh, download the Kirby Superstars Allies demo oh, for, yeah, Switch for Switch, too, which is fun. But what about you? I know so barely even a difference for you, huh? From yeah. last week's, not, uh, well, not a big I, difference. I didn't get to play a whole lot this week at all. Um, a couple of times here and there before work, but really it was work in the way, and then Celeste on the couch. Okay, well, for me, the uh, thing I can't remember is there's a game I was playing. I, I don't remember if I said this last episode or not. Mainly because I just don't remember, but also because I'm not completely there in my mind right now. But um, the town, the the town of light, which was uh, it's like a walking simulator style game uh, where you roll through. I'm pretty sure I didn't. I think I started playing it afterwards. Um, anyway, it's like a walking simulator game where it takes place like based off of true stories and like uh, recountings of things that happened back in uh, uh, mental health asylums back yeah. in the like 30s and 40s. Uh, and and even before then, so uh, it was. It's pretty interesting. Actually, told a good story. I do like walking simulators as like, as a pace break up. They're fun. I enjoy them, and then they're good to kind of slow down, play those, let that kind of be your thing, and then hop into another actiony kind of style game. Um, that makes sense. They're good so, break games. Yeah. So last night I finally started playing Diablo three again. Um, Toxic Gecko, thank you, good man. Uh, he was helping me get. Um, I made a new um, seasonal character. Went through. I'm actually going to get my first seasonal character done on console because you know we play the game on PC a lot, but 
um, on console, I'm actually going to have like a first character I've actually run through on season because I'm normally not carried. I've just been trying to grind towards the platinum, but um, we're doing that. I'm working towards my bounty still. That's going to be my next platinum. Hopefully, if it's not my next platinum, uh, then the new Life is Strange is because I did pick up uh, Before the Storm. Started playing that yesterday as well. Uh, that was what I played as soon as I got back from the hospital and was drugged up for even worse. I was like, I want to play something simple that I can't mess up on. And then work my way towards Diablo so that it's also something that's fun, but just mindless enough that I don't have to worry too much about dying or anything. Whereas Monster Hunter, I'd be annoyed. So, Oh, yeah. Um, and then past that, I don't know. This week, I didn't play a whole bunch. I didn't get to play a bunch of games. But, I mean, I, I hopped into Monster Hunter again for the for a couple times. And that's about all I can remember. You know. Yeah, I'm hoping to make up for some time lost on Monster Hunter this week to die, today at some point. Well, Bendy got out, my dog. Yeah. Um, and she was missing from, like, Tuesday uh, at noon to, like, Thursday at, wow. like, 4. Uh, so I spent all my time after work going out and looking for her. That's the main reason. And then it was just it was a weird week for that kind of stuff. I mean, it, I feel like my life will just not slow down. It's been like, Kyrie's sick. I'm sick. Grandpa goes to the hospital. You're sick again. I'm, Bendy or gets actually, out. Actually, yeah, Bendy gets out. Now I have this mess. I mean, I don't know. I just I, need everything to calm down. I thought March was going to be a good month. Far Cry Five's coming. I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to play some Bloodborne. Haven't even gotten to start Bloodborne yet. I'm sorry, PS Plus pals. Um, I'm if, actually going to get into that here in a second because I, I did not mention Bloodborne because I was going to mention that. Um, but have you played anything else or was that pretty much no, that's pretty ending? much it. So you go ahead and so, do the little spiel about PS Plus pals real quick. Yeah. So for those that don't know or for those that are new, um, we have, and we always link it in the description now, a Discord channel, and it's a pretty fun channel to come chat with and stuff. We have a new channel under that, though, um, or a new topic, really. It's just uh, it's PS Plus Pals. Uh, every month, we're going to have a poll up and vote on the game of the month. It's free, and we're all going to play it together. And this last month for March, we have uh, Bloodborne that we're playing. So we all encourage you to come and join Discord with us. Um, we got a couple I, of people who are staying back to help others in the Discord chat yeah. who are uh, people who've already played the game. They're helping everybody kind of roll through the beginning of the game, which is challenging for people who've never played one of the oh, series. Yeah. Like uh, uh, Excite Bike or Alabama Gamers, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. He was talking about how hard the beginning of the game is for him. It's just there's a, there, there's such a steep learning curve. And he was talking about, he was like, enemies are scaling with me. I'm like, no. no I'm like, not, I was so but, confused. I was like, did they update that or something when the DLC came out? Because that's new. But, and he's like, oh, yeah, my weapon was broken. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot that that could happen. Yep. Uh, I think something similar like that happened to me on my very first playthrough, and I couldn't figure out how to fix it until I got the workshop gym. But, um, yeah, it's super fun. If you don't join the PS Plus Pals channel, at least join our general channel. We uh, have been just hanging out. A lot of times that when me and Brad work, there's almost always somebody in there talking. Uh, and then times I am at work um, and I'm on break or something, I hop and in. You say, screw the rules. I'm going to text anyway. Off work. <laughs> I mean, not off work, on break. We, I mean, you know, depends I do on how slow we are. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's super fun. And, uh, I finished up my very first dirty man's, uh, poor man's speed run of Bloodborne six hours. I feel like I can do better. Oh, really? Um, you actually beat the entire game? I did game that last day? night. Yeah. That's what I stayed up until. High five, man. That's what I stayed that, up nice. until, um, like three, I think 45 AM almost. Yeah. But so yeah, it was super fun. Um, I feel like I could do better. I restarted again today. Got to Bloodstarved Beast at 14 minutes. So. I want, okay. I want you to beat the entire game in four hours. That's I can try that. What we're doing? That's uh, your new challenge. So, but I got killed at Bloodstar Beast at like 14 minutes in, and I was just like, okay, 
that kind of killed me right there. I, 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 that kind of killed my motivation for that run. <laughs> uh, I got through Father Gas Coin so quickly, and then uh, all the way to Blood Starved in that amount of time just to die. Um, but yeah, it's super cool. Uh, for those that are interested in Bloodborne, two uh, cool things I, I highly recommend you to check out. Uh, do not check out the the one I'm about to say. Actually, to be honest, you don't want to check out either one of these videos unless you have uh, <laughs> have beaten the game or you don't care about spoilers. One is on the IGN uh, YouTube channel, and I know they're not highly regarded, but it's a speedrunner over there who they posted a video of beats it in 33 minutes. So, Ooh. yeah, and he's actually he's a streamer on Twitch. He's a really really cool and funny guy. New game plus run though? Um, no, I think it was just a regular run, just a, re- a new game. Uh, but then the, the, another video is that for those that like the lore, there's a guy named Vati Vidya. Um, if you just type in Bloodborne Lore on YouTube, you're more than likely guaranteed to get this guy to pop up. He's a really cool guy, really soothing voice. You know, that sounds weird, but I promise you it's not. He actually makes an argument and shows you proof on how Bloodborne will exist in the Dark Souls universe. He ties the links there. He did say, though, that he did this argument specifically with that in mind, ignoring other counterparts to the argument. But it was really cool to see how the, the Bloodborne could actually fit in in a certain mindset. Um, and it actually but works really well. But not saying it officially well. does. It just kind of it could. Right. Yeah. So uh, definitely check those two videos out. Uh, I'm going to edit timestamps in the description. I will put those in there as well. So check the description for those videos. Um, but yeah, so Brett, why don't you go and hop in the news real quick? And then for those that don't know, we're doing just a reader mail episode. No drop uh, at all this week. Yeah, I originally intended not to have any news, but then everybody wanted to come out and give a lot of news this week. Like an, an yeah. actual lot of cool stuff, or at least a lot of info. Uh, so run through this real quick. Uh, Ubisoft officially announced the existence of The Division 2. Ryan's so happy about it. I know. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to get it probably. Uh, the game was revealed via a short teaser that showed nothing in the way of gameplay, but with promises to show the game in greater detail come E3. Uh, Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, I just thought this was interesting, um, has officially been announced for Xbox, PC, and Switch, uh, confirming long rumors of an unspoken one-year exclusivity window, uh, which also starts to somewhat lend a little more credence to the idea of the Spyro thing coming, because the, the one-year window was also mentioned in that rumor, but could be could be dumb luck. So there's a lot of things to say, but enough people have been clamoring for Spyro that it's almost bound to happen at this point. Even I, it if really it's not currently to. going on, yeah, they probably started at this point. So um, there's a really funny. I hate the, like the curb your enthusiasm memes, like when the song starts playing. But there's a video of you know the classic PS1 commercial of Crash outside yelling at Nintendo, talking about they'll never have them, and yeah. then all of a sudden it's like it shows the trailer, and then it's the stupid music. It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next thing, uh, Epic's, this is ridiculous, but Epic Games have announced that Fortnite is coming to mobile devices and tablets with full support for cross-play across PC, PS4, and, um, I don't know what the hell I typed in here. Uh, oh, and the mobile release. Okay, so the anyway, you'll be able to play across all of them. Uh, iOS will get the game first with Android support coming in a few months, which is not that odd. Super weird. That's not odd at all, man. Uh, iOS is is a very closed across. No, very... no, I'm talking about the whole entire news department. Oh yeah, the whole news is weird. My biggest thing is why in the world would anybody playing on mobile with the exact game? Apparently, it's going to be the exact game. Why would anybody playing that game on mobile? I think want the... to use touch controls against someone Dude, on PC cra- or PS4. The crafting element of that game already has a, a weird enough control scheme as it is, let alone on a touchscreen. I can't imagine. Some that. Some people were saying that though, you know, maybe it'll have a thing where you can play it with uh, controllers that you can Bluetooth connect, which I'm sure you can. But oh, yeah. there also will undoubtedly be some kind of touch control i was making the joke i was like watch there be some kind of aim assist that's in this game and people on mobile just wreck shop because it's super unbalanced 
Which I could happen, but I doubt it. If anything, it's probably going to put them at a, um, you know, at a disadvantage. But we'll see. It's going to be funny if you start seeing just a bunch of people just getting the, the you know, what is it called uh, whenever you win that game? No, nope. you're thinking about PUBG. That's not winner, winner, chicken. No, 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 but what's it called in that game when you win? There's something, isn't it? No, it's just uh, victory... Number one winner, Victory Victory Royale or something like that. Is that what they call it? Uh, I, I, thought, I thought I saw some kind of terminology that someone officially used for when you get a win in that game, and not the winner winner chicken dinner thing. No, yeah, uh, that's from the other other one. That's uh, next up and interesting stuff is that the Witcher protagonist Geralt has been officially teased by the developer for a cameo in another title releasing in 2018. This has obviously led to speculation that he will be in uh, Soul Calibur Six, but. I don't really know. You got, you got to think of what other game. That t- tends to be the thing is what other game would he be in? I mean, yeah, unless. It's going to be highly unlikely because it's. I don't know. You know what? I don't remember if it confirmed if it's from another publisher or not, but it's obviously that's just not going to be The Witcher. No. But, I mean, would CD Projekt Red have him in any kind of thing? That's going to be the weird thing. So, who knows? Uh, some people were saying Smash Brothers. I was like, that'd be so weird. Don't. But somebody was like, but The Witcher's not even on Switch. I was like, yeah, but Final cloud. Fantasy Final Fantasy Seven's not on any Nintendo platform. There, there's, there's Cloud. There was uh, Cloud. Is Cloud? Does Cloud even feature in any Nintendo game? I don't think he does because you remember Cloud was in Final Fantasy Tactics, Tactics. but that was PS One and, and PSP and PSP, and then the Tactics that came out the. Uh, Tactics A2 or whatever for the DS. I don't think Cloud was in that. So why would Cloud be in there? That's my point. And some people took that originally as speculation that the Final Fantasy VII remake was going to be coming to Switch uh, in the long run. But I mean, no, because he's been in Smash way before the Switch, before he, that game was even confirmed. Yeah, I mean... Smash on 3DS no, came out like four years ago. No, but he wasn't in Smash on 3DS at launch. That was DLC. He was the final DLC. No, no, I know, but it's just it was he was added two, two and a half years ago. Who, like, yeah, the game was already that. known to be ex- in existence at that point. The was remake, it? yeah. The remake got announced at 2015, man. Time's a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. You don't realize it sometimes. Uh, anyway, next up, despite the weirdest, stupidest looking logo ever, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 has been confirmed to be the next title in the long-running annual series. No gameplay was shown again, just like uh, everything else for some reason. But instead of E3, uh, they are opting for an event on May 17th to show the game off, probably like they did last year with the World War II event. Uh, Also interesting is that the game has been given a release date of October 12th, almost a full month ahead of their normal early November slot that they use every year. This is likely in a move, and everyone, I mean... what else is it going to be? It's in a move to get out ahead of Red Dead Redemption. Of too. course. And because, I mean, Red Dead pushing themselves back started screwing everything up. I get that. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's why. Red uh, Dead don't care. They can release against anything because, I mean, this is smart of Activision in the long run because it, even if you look, let's just say Red Dead sells a quarter of what um, Grand Theft Auto Five has sold. It's still a, a massive oh, yeah. machine. Uh, so, I mean. That's that, why Days Gone was pushed back, without a doubt, my mind. Oh, I agree, actually, because we kept saying, when's it going to be? August, yep. September, it's October, somewhere in that, that window? That end of the year has too crowded with Call of Duty, Red Dead. Um, so, there's something else. Oh, Battlefield 2, World War 2, or whatever it's going to be called. So, way yeah. too crowded so, in the space. Saul just said the next one. One of them is that Days Gone has officially been pushed back into 2019, which, to be dead honest, it's like a, the game probably needed to already be out, but oh well. Uh, and we have a reader mail question to it, so I'll save a little bit. But yeah, very likely that it was moved because of that. There's almost nothing else I can imagine that would do that. There's just too much going on. Too, too crowded in so, that time of year. 
yeah, weird weird year for that one. But uh, next up is that update 5.50, the one that was in beta for the longest, has officially been released this past week, weighing in at 460 megabytes. The update is mandatory, uh, like most of the big updates are. Uh, update brings all the features that the beta program had. If you did not know what they were, it's custom backgrounds from USB, playtime management as part of parental control, system-wide super sampling on PS4 Pro, uh, the ability to, to delete notifications, Hide items in your purchased menu list, like demos, betas, all that stuff, and then some quick menu enhancements. First thing I did was do that. When I turned on my PS4 and it downloaded, I Clear went all through, your... purchased, and I went through and cleared out all the, the three demos I had for Neo, the two demos I had. Like It's so crowded in that area. I'm never there because I don't do digital. See, this is one of those That's things. True. You do digital, it's a constant annoyance to you because you're actually in that list not occasionally. Any, not anymore. <laughs> I'm in that list a lot, actually. There's all, there's a lot of times, like earlier today, I was I went through and I, I re-downloaded um, uh, something on Steam. I can't think of what it was now. And, uh, and I was just like, yeah, I kind of want to play this again, so I'm going to re-download it. Um, and, oh, it was Owlboy. And uh, the whole entire thing was that there was... Two Neo to three Neo demos, two or three betas for um, both Rainbow Six Siege I did and Battlefield 1, um, Battlefront 2, Battlefront from way back when. All Black this Ops crap 3 beta. Clear out. Black Ops 3 beta. Yeah, there was too much crap in there. I just couldn't clear out. Now, now I'm just so glad it's so clean looking when I go in there. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm happened to be honest. Lot of, I also like the ability to get rid of all your notifications. Yeah, that is that's, that's very that's a that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, next up, PlayStation announced a limited edition PS4 Pro console for God of War. The bundle will include a physical copy of the game. Digital. I was impressed at that. At, first of all, it actually comes with physical the game. copy of the game, yeah. just like Monster Hunter did. But Monster Hunter was four forty nine, uh, whereas this one's only three ninety nine. So yep, you're basically so you're, getting the game for free. Yep. Good on them. Um, it looks really cool too. You get the digital content for the game. Uh, a Leviathan Gray is what they're calling it. Uh, DualShock Four and Leviathan being the axe. Uh, with an insignia on the right-hand grip and God of War printed on the touchpad. It's a bad-looking controller, just to be dead honest. It is. It's the same one that was leaked a month ago yep. that somebody had on. Yep. They ordered from Amazon. Yep. So, uh, And, of course, uh, you get the PS4 Pro console, which is good-looking. It's uh, actually imagery based off of Kratos' axe, like we call it the Leviathan axe, and it's uh, on the top plate you see the the blade go almost, up and go into the handle. It's almost like I wonder if it's the skill tree. Oh, it is. They've already confirmed that that is the skill tree. Is it? Okay, I did not see that. You upgrade the axe, and that's how those continue to go off. Here is my biggest thing, and I want to say this real quick, because people say it all the time. This is the number one area where where PlayStation constantly falls under Xbox Xbox to me, and it's the amount of care they put into their their limited edition systems. I don't get me wrong. This one actually looks good as a whole. The Monster Hunter did, too. The Monster Hunter one looks great. But there's still more I want from them. And here's what it comes down to. Yes, are both of these huge step-ups from, like, the really bad-looking World War II Slim that they had? Or the really bland-looking Star Wars? All the Star Wars ones they had. The one that had Darth Vader's face on the original PS4, ugly to me. Yeah. Didn't even look. It looked like you could just put a sticker on it. And it starts to be the way of... If it looks like you could just put a sticker on your console and it still looks just like the, the special edition, it's then the how cool thing. is it? Yeah. Um, that's one thing. But here's where I go into. So, like, one of the go-to examples I constantly use, and definitely on the controllers, because while the consoles still sometimes look good, in this case, the console looks pretty good for the God of War one, uh, but the controller looks awful It's alongside just a decal it. on it, basically. Yeah, it looks like you just put a, a sticker on there. And then where I come into that is that, on, okay, Xbox. They just released this new like military-looking controller, and it's got 
etched out edges around it and a, a texture and like the in badges it. on the and it, and yeah it's textured and it looks amazing and that's what i'm saying is that like they they put more care it looks like a special edition controller instead of our console because like another example is there exactly their gears of war 4 controller um and gears of war 4 console had gashes in it there was like a red like so the one yeah, of the new so monsters was, had gashes and it scratched it yeah it was and they were textured. actually textured in there they look like something legitimately scratched it and that's just so much cooler than what we get with playstation because this is what made it stand out to me even more is that this console is a perfect example if you look at the top you see the runes etched into the axe right why are they not physically etched into the plastic where you could rub your finger over them and feel where the grooves are in the runes that are carved out? That would be so much cooler. And, you know, you could make the Instead, argument. Instead, it's just printed on there smooth. And I, I get it. It's, it's still, also shiny. Make it matte. Well. Shiny, just like that one. I would love it much more if it was matte because shiny, you're going to see the dust on it. Well, but the matte comes in on the parts of the, the dragon, which is actually a design uh, element it, I like because it, it gives it, that actually gives it a texture, whereas the God of War one's going to be smooth. It's going to feel like a piece. If you had a blindfold on, you wouldn't even know anything was different. Yeah. And just rubbing it, be like, oh, okay. It needs to have some texture. I mean, you're not always rubbing your consoles, but it would look cool. <laughs> it'd, it'd look cool on your shelf. But my point being is that they could just do so much more. And But, you know, while the systems are at least doing a little bit better because they do have two systems in a row that look good, I wish that they would step their controller game up because it would just be so cool to actually have a controller that looks really cool. Like one example of what I think would be really cool to see on an official controller is like the back of this scuff controller. It's got this military-grade grip. I love that. The texture that it adds, it makes this feel like a different controller. That's such a like cool-looking controller, even though it's just a, a different color on the analog stick base. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but if, see, but we don't get that, and that's what I'm saying is that it's one of the few things where Xbox has been doing a lot better in that particular situation. The fact that you can go to the I can't remember what it's called, but you can log on to their store and just pay to make a custom controller yeah. directly from them. Honestly, that's cool. I, yeah, I, you can do that from Scuff, but that's not an official controller no, at that point. You know what I mean? And there's something about having an official controller that's nice. I thought about doing that uh, for my gaming PC because for those that don't know, all Xbox One controllers are plug and play with almost every, or I think it's every Microsoft game. Um, uh, on on their Microsoft store, but I also know that a, a majority of Steam games do the same thing too. Like I plug and play with my uh, DualShock Four on um, Dark Souls Three, but I have to have DS Four Windows to make it run. But even then, the buttons are still the Xbox buttons in the menus. Now, one of the great things I, as you're talking about that, if you are a PC person and you're curious, you can plug in your DualShock Four and play it legitimately plugged in through just a normal micro USB on That's what I'm all, about. all Ubisoft games. Naturally, oh. under, they naturally know it's a PS4 controller and have the PS4 controller button prompt. That's kind of cool. When I played uh, Far Cry 4 and I went back and replayed it on PC because I caught it on sale, I played the entire game with PlayStation button prompts. So yeah, these games they they just they 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 see that you're using a gamepad, so they just revert to the Microsoft standard. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like this controller looks really really cool for those that haven't seen it. It's called the P- Patrol Tech Special Edition Xbox controller. I don't know what all these mean. Like I don't know. There's just uh, there's things on it, but it just looks cool. Um, but go ahead and continue it's, off the news Yeah, on it's that just rant. a cool design. <laughs> and it's a rant that I feel like I've, I've, I've said a couple of times that they've had a bad history of just making really bad looking special consoles in comparison. That's what it comes down to. And now, of course, they've had a couple that I just thought were just legitimately bad. They could have made much cooler Star Wars ones than they actually did. But, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, I digress. So. Even the X Star Wars PSP was pretty bland looking. It was white. It was the piano. White, I think that's what it's called. With, it, with Darth Vader with Darth on the back. back. On the battery cover, the removable part. Of it, of all things, like the part you're most likely to lose. Yeah, because it's the only part that comes off of a PSP. Definitely on the slims, because if you dropped them enough, the piece would just break. I don't know if you remember that. 
Um, I'm, I'm glad I never dropped my slim. That that was my. I never dropped it either, but I know plenty of people that had them with tape on them. The Definitely Daxter, when I worked at GameStop, you know, the Daxter slim, the gray one that was just it was gray with speckles in it. It was the the best looking PSP. All right, uh, two more things. Naughty Dog have had an internal shakeup. The Last of Us director Neil Druckmann has been promoted to vice president of the company. Good for him. Uh, while still retaining his role as creative de- director on the highly anticipated sequel. Two others, uh, Anthony Newman and Kurt Merganu, something like that, were named joint game directors on the game, and Amelia Schatz and Richard Cambier were lead designers. That's what they've been named. Uh, so interesting to see. I don't think that this will have any effect on uh, The Last of Us, but you got to think with all the people leaving, like, um, um, oh, Lord. Um, uh, Bruce Straley Bruce, left. Yeah, I was going to say Bruce Straley. Uh, you know, and, after um, his sabbatical, he ended up leaving. So, I mean, not that weird, and of course – in terms of the, the Last of Us was a really big game for them, so I mean, it's not weird that they want to bring in somebody like you know Druckmann's obviously been doing the company well. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what his role as vice president is going to be, and if he continues to work on games in general, uh, just as creative director or what. But I mean, that's what he was doing already, so who knows? Uh, last thing up is that Ready at Dawn are hiring for a third-person action game. The listing suggests that it is based on an entirely new IP. So sadly, it has probably very unlikely nothing to do, or very unlikely to have anything to do uh, in regards to the Order 1886, or actually, I guess, would be the Order 1887. I need it, Saul. I need I do it. Too. We were talking about that in Discord. Uh, the other day. And what makes me mad is, you know, there's all, even after the game came out and sold kind of odd, he said that a lot, you know, the Ruler Syria was talking about the game had too much work going into building its world for it to be a single series. Um, so I'm still holding out hope that we see some kind of change, even if that, that would be such a baller E3 surprise. I, I seriously doubt it's going to happen, but that would be amazing. You I know, because we were talking about E3 in general in the Discord chat uh, before we hop into the the all the reader mails as the main topic. But we were talking about that in the Discord chat of you know we're in that weird specific, specific window where the past few years of E3s, most of those games are coming out before E3 are already out or are coming out so shortly after E3 that we don't feel like they're going to spend that much time on them at E3. So this is the year of new announcements finally, right? Right. So, or at least or it should be, you know, hopefully if Sony keeps learning their lesson uh, and, and they have been doing extremely well on E3 in their presentations, we're going to get some kind of new big heavy hitters. Now, whether it's like, you know, the last PS4 games that we start seeing and then, as next year's timeline rolls out, if I am right about an early 2019 reveal of PS5, then we're going to see probably the system, you know, early, then E3 will be more devoted at games you're going to see for PS5. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be weird. I'm, but- I'm excited to see because, you know, there's a question we're going to answer here in a second about that kind of thing, um, about the future of, you know, the, the, the new PS5 games. And we talked about it in Discord as well, about that, uh, like, what all we think is going to be the last send-off for PS4 that transitions into a PS5 game as well. So, oh, maybe even a cross-gen game. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that too. Or, and there's there's a lot of stuff going on that's just questionable in terms of you could see it being nothing but PS4, but you could also kind of seeing it being a cross-gen game. But you know what? We haven't really seen that yet. Even for PS4, we didn't get cross-gen games outside of third-party games. No, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of interested in see exactly what we can get. Uh, so, anyway, all right, Saul. Let's hop into the reader mail. Uh, like we said, guys, if we ever post a reader mail topic on Twitter at TriangleSQRD, and we don't answer your question on air for that uh, episode, don't don't worry. It's going to get answered one day. Um, it's just for the sake of time and fluidity of the show, we try to answer a couple. And when we first started out, we only got one or two to begin with. Now we get sometimes 13 and 14. And um, 
we can't just dedicate the entire time for the show, even though we. But what we can do right now, yeah, because this is a special episode, and you guys are special people. To do this, I figure that once every, I would say, two months, a month, we could do a reader mail episode, and we can get all that. What I'm thinking is every now and then, let's just throw in a reader mail bonus episode. That's what I want to start doing. That could work too, maybe. uh, But we'll figure it out. I don't. uh, I don't want to say anything for sure because I don't want to make. Patreon.com slash triangle sqrd hint hint. I'm kidding. We don't have a Patreon yet. Um, we so, could if you guys want to support. Yeah, if you guys just let <laughs> you us You guys know. want to support the show? Uh, support me being... Because you know we are coming up on having to renew our contract for hosting... SoundCloud. Dude, that was so expensive last time. What was uh, it? 170 Something like that. So, <laughs> Jeez. Oh, well. Uh, question number one brought to us by Jacob Carnes. He says, what do you think of, had- of... What do you think of having added a sort of zombies gameplay to Rainbow Six Siege? Was it smart or was it risky, Brett? Okay, so this was something I really wanted to hear your opinion on. Did you even end up playing the Outbreak thing? Or whatever uh, not, it was no, not yet. I was actually... Is it uh, still currently active? It's current for like the next 20 days or something. Okay, it's, I knew it was it like was a limited a thing. Day. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm interested about it. I think it's one of those things that they added, and it, they're not going to lose anything from it. If anything, they're going to benefit. Uh, I, that's exactly where I stood on it. I don't if nothing think that, else, it's a wash. You know, like yeah. you have a chance to bring new people into the game. Uh, you have a you have a chance to bring people who had kind of dropped the game back into the game. Yeah, so it's um, it's not going to affect the current player base. They're not going to quit playing because they added a zombies mode that doesn't affect them. So I thought it was smart, you know. Well, and it's completely additive. Yeah, you know, that, that's the thing for me. Like, it's not like you can't play the game at all uh, except for playing with zombies. Like, it's not like they took the whole game and like, bam, we're going to do this. So we're, I think it's smart because what it basically does is. Any kind of these games of the service ideas like these, as they continue to go on, you kind of got to think of interesting stuff that the community... I wouldn't even be... So here's the thing. I don't play the game. We've already went over that. So... For me, I don't know if the community has been asking for anything like this, but there's every chance in the world that the I've, community has asked for this and wanted it. I've never seen the Or at least a vocal enough, you know. I don't know where the community really communicates with the developers, but I'm sure that there's something that they've seen that they at least thought it was worth trying. Yeah, it's it's a lot of things these now like nowadays like with uh Games Facts and Reddit still being the the go-to kind of hubs for these uh, and especially having official discords for this too. Well, um, and, and I'm sure Twitter and I don't really follow them on Twitter, that too, so that's yeah. one thing. I, I just meant as a centralized place that everybody would gather sure. specifically for it. But yeah, I've never seen somebody request it. That doesn't mean it wasn't. I'm not a huge, huge, huge fan into the scene of this game. I do love the game. It's a really, really fun and good game. But you don't necessarily follow it like amazingly. No, I don't like a lot of people look up um, kinds of things like the current meta and stuff like that. And realistically, I don't play ranks unless I'm playing with a friend and the friend I play with is really, really good. So it's almost one of those things of where I'll just kind of follow his advice on playing. But, you know, I can see that. All right, next question up is from Mr. Ryan, speaking of the devil. Uh, What do you think about Days Gone getting pushed, making it closer to The Last of Us 2? Can they exist or can they coexist successfully? I have talked about this a lot in this show, and I know that some people have different ideas that they don't look similar at all. And I, I get the argument on both sides. Like in my opinion, I do see where they are similar enough, and and my uh, my initial reaction was that it did instantly give me a feeling of first seeing The Last of Us. Now that we've seen enough of the game, and we're and this year at E three, we're going to see at least from what um, Neil Druckmann said and what Naughty Dog said um, at PSX, we're going to see The Last of Us 2's gameplay um, at E three this year. There's a couple of things I worry about. So the first thing I think about is that, yes, Days Gone is a fully open world title. 
But we've already seen Naughty Dog just last year come out with The Lost Legacy, which was basically an open world title. Yep. It still felt like a decidedly uncharted. It was a more contained world. So if we see them use that same idea and maybe even expand on the scope a little bit with The Last of Us 2, which they may or may not do, the game starts to get even closer. Now they both have open world aspects, even if one's a full open world game and one's semi or you know whatever you want to call it, pseudo open world. Right. Um, so with that being said, there's things that are going to pull them together. The things they can do to try and keep them apart are focus on the aspects of the game that will naturally be different. What those are, we don't know quite enough about because you can say, well, there's crafting in this game and using the world, but we've already seen crafting using the world to your advantage in the first Last of Us, and there's no reason for us to not think that we would see that in an even bigger uh, you know, example in, yeah. in The Last of Us 2. So, again, you start to blur these lines. The, I still stand by the further that you can keep them apart, the better. But I also think that because The Last of Us is going to be fine no matter what, it it's, was smarter to move. The, it was smarter to move Days Gone out of Red Dead Redemption, uh, away from Red Call Redemption, Duty. And Call of Duty, than it is going to be to let it get there and just literally die. Bend is a great studio. I know this game will be nothing short of at least good. I hope it's amazing. Uh, it may not be the initial thing that grabs me, but I think that they have to, even if it means that both of them release in 2019, which may not even happen. We don't know about The Last of Us, but uh, if, if they do both have to release in, in 2019, if we at least see like a February, March window for Days Gone and hopefully a November window or something like that for uh, The Last of Us Part 2, I think that The Last of Us Part 2 could stand against uh, you know all the other third-party releases without any issue. So, I mean, that's where I stand on it. I think it would be fine for them to coexist, but what do you think? Uh, something about uh, is I don't think they're going to coexist at all because I think that I firmly believe Last of Us 2 will come out in 2020. And I firmly believe that Days Gone got pushed back, but it's not going to get pushed back a year. It's going to get pushed back to the beginning of Sony's fiscal year, and we all know that's April. So I guarantee you that I don't game, think that far. I feel, like, I feel like they'll do what they did with Horizon. Maybe February. You know, March, February? March, February. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that April is almost always a safe space. It is this year when you think about it. Like, you have God of War late March. And then April, you have, April. I mean, April, that's true. And then Detroit. I keep thinking. In, I don't know why. In May. Yeah, I don't, keep, I don't know why I keep thinking that God of War is March. But yeah. So, but traditionally uh, it has been. Uh, well, we won't have God of War, you know, two technically next year. Um, but yeah, I firmly believe that it's going to relaunch at the first quarter of next year, and that uh, Last of Us isn't going to do the same. It's going to launch in the first quarter of 2020, or maybe even the the holiday season. So, my year. only curious part of that, because I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I, I, I mean, it's just as likely that it does release in 2020 as it does at the end of 2019. Or it's any all point speculation. It's point. all speculation. But one thing I do think would be interesting is if it does release in 2020, how how do you think – I don't feel like it's smart of them to have shown as much of the game as they have and nope. keep dragging this out because like it, gone. they're going to have to do that. Yeah, just like Days Gone. And, that, and see, that's unfortunate for Days Gone because Days Gone was supposed to release this year. Yeah. But – now they're going to have to, to push its release window, which is naturally means it's going to have to get shown that, more to keep goes, hype up, which is unfortunate. But as long as it gets out in a window where it can at least try and thrive and do the best that it absolutely can as a new IP, I'm hoping for the best for it. But see, The Last of Us being an established franchise, people are going to be excited. But if we're going to see gameplay at E3 2018 and we still don't get the game until early 2020, really? I don't think we're going to see gameplay at all in, in E3. We'll see. We'll, he, he said we'll we see. would. Now that, that's the biggest, Who said we would? Neil? Neil Druckmann. 
He said, we will see gameplay at, 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 okay, now this was one of those things, and it, it could change. I, I would, but he said, I would think PSX more than E3. So when asked at PSX about it during the panel, and they said, when do you think we'll see gameplay? Uh, this was by Hannah Hart or whatever the woman was. He said, like, he, he kind of did his, like, you could tell it was scripted though, where it's like, yeah, I'm going to say E3 next year, you'll see gameplay. So, if that follows through, and for some reason, now Sony may shake that up now, which I don't know if they would because people can be mad. They may shake it up because of Days Gone's unfortunate happenings. They yeah. may wait until PSX and then push, even getting us six months ahead, if they're pushing the proposed release date of The Last of Us 2020, that's also six months ahead of what I would be thinking. It would kind of wash to an extent, yeah. but you get to be in a weird area where fan fervor is going to get you more than anything because now people expect to see The Last of Us at 2018. And if you think about it, The Last of Us so far has just been real small. I'm going to throw it in. Uh, also, don't forget that. This will be the first time we've seen the game in a major way. We've seen gameplay of Spider-Man. Yeah. But we don't. I really, I'm sick of these 10 minute, even for games I love like Last of Us, I'm sick of 10 minute things on E3. Stop that. Yeah, no. Don't need to be that long. Stop all of that. The only one to me. Spider-Man was tedious to watch through. Well, here, here's uh, mine. The only one that I feel like was really good, and this is, it's all about flowing the show, right? Days Gone, same year. God of War. At the beginning, if it's going to be the first thing you show and you're going to give me 10 minutes of gameplay, you, you get that set up or whatever, you show a really big thing, it's the first we're really seeing of the game. Even then. I'm okay with I, that because what it does is that that gets that out of the way, and if you can keep the rest of them three to five minute segments, you get a better flow. If you're going to do it, if you're going to do that, either do have it be the very game? first thing. Yeah, yeah. Do it one game, either do it very first or very last. Also, uh, the, seeing Days Gone twice in the same in the same conference was a mess up, and I don't think it was purposeful. And I think it I think it came down to like crap. We what have are we an open do? spot. Yeah. I think, and it's, it feeds into one of my other big pet peeves of this generation of stop showing 10 minute segments for games that's not releasing for another two years. Yeah, that's an issue too. Uh, we saw so. Days Gone in 2017. That gameplay, we saw uh, the whole like little where, or not warehouse. We, we saw like, it in 2016, right? It might have been, yeah. I just remember the one where you saw the horde of zombies coming through the train car and stuff. No, that was last year, so that yeah. was 2017. No, saw, no, that's that was 16. So we, that's so what I we, thought. We Man. would have seen it two years consecutively now, and it's still not going to be out, because I guarantee there's going to be something at this E3 on it. And it better not be another gameplay segment. I don't know. Um, you know I hope it's story. I hope it's I really, just more a story trailer. I if, ho- it's, I ho- if it's showing at all, and I think I it hope, has to be. I hope uh, Last of Us 2, I hope they show like a minute and a half of gameplay, followed in with a story trailer, and cut. I don't want to see 10 minutes of a demonstration of that game. I don't want to see 10 minutes of a demonstration for any game. I don't care if it's going to be my game of the generation. I don't care if it's Bloodborne 2. I don't want to see 10 minutes of it. Stop doing that. The I conference agree. comes to a halt. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember how long God of War was. I want to say like five to seven minutes. I'll say God of War was probably a solid five to eight to ten minutes, somewhere in there. But it was very first, and they did a lot of build up to it. I felt like it was the best way you could possibly do that. Yeah, like I'm. I'm really but. looking forward to E3 this year, and I'm looking forward to us streaming it again. But I'm not looking forward to stuff like that because it kind of you know it made E3 last year borderline mediocre. You know, it wasn't as good as it always has been. And it's expecting a lot because they always are. And really good. The, the mediocre, the metric for mediocre moves as you continue to do better, which they were doing. Yeah. And then when you actually do something that's a little bit worse than you were doing, but yeah. better than their previous ones. Because we got a lot of stuff that, you, you know, know. We, we got. And now that these games are out, we had Shadow out. We have God of War going to be out by then. We're going to have Monster Hunter that was showed out by then. 
Um, Uncharted uh, was shown and out by then. We're going to have all these games. Now they're going to have to show us new games. If they continue to show us, like, you're going to see me visibly upset that day. Like, I will be yeah. mad if I keep seeing the same. If I see The Last of Us 2 again, if I see Days Gone again, I'm going to be mad if they're 10-minute segments. Like, I'm not going to be enjoying the time. But anyways, yeah. enough ranting there. We have our third question. What is your favorite type of game, and what mashups do you think work well, and what don't work well? An example is being a third-person turn-based tactical style game. Now, this is actually an interesting question. So basically, like, what kind of genre mashups do I feel like work really well? Yeah, and what don't you feel work really well? I don't feel action games and card games work well at all. Like, Metal Gear Acid kind of did that, where it's oh, action. Yeah, it's, the it's PSP more of a tactical. Games. Yeah, they were fun, but, like, I wouldn't, I don't, like, if it wasn't for a game, if it wasn't for, like, game series I don't already love, I wouldn't have played it. Okay, I'll say this. Kingdom Hearts did it too good, like with the decks. See, that's what I was about uh, to say, actually. I thought Chain of Memories was awesome. But imagine if a, um, like, I don't know, imagine if one of the newest games that came out was a card game-based game that also had combat, but it was in a universe we know nothing about. Yeah, but you got to think about this. Kingdom Hearts, I never even beat the first game by the time I got Chain of Memories and beat it because I was really young and sucked at Kingdom Hearts But it's a series you liked, though. It it is a series I liked, but it's a little different. I think I would still give it a try if I saw it and it looked as smooth as it did because that is one of the weird, that's one of the weirdest mashups I can actually say that I really enjoy. The idea of a card card game. Like, even back to the old Yu-Gi-Oh card games, like, where they were an open world adventure game, but they were card games do you remember those yeah no i remember where you walk good. around the world and then you actually go into and when you fight somebody it opens up the card game yeah parts. it is really cool that uh, is an interesting thing card games is probably one of the weirdest things because like okay another mashup that i actually think was was really well done the game gets crapped on by some but me and jonathan talk about it all the time is Yu-Gi-Oh! duelist of the roses which was that's the board game one okay it was it was a ta- it was the squares that you yeah and you'd move back. around yeah and you would like so you'd set a trap and it would do like area of effect now and or like if you would trigger if you went over it so it was like a tactical game but it still used all the cards now here's the thing a lot of the cards got manipulated so that their effects made sense with the way that the game was played some people hated that. Some people loved it. I thought it was really fun. Weird mashup, but it worked in its own weird way. But is that really a genre mashup, or is that just um, a world coming into, uh, adapting a world to fit into a genre? I would say that's a genre mashup because it's it's still a card game. It's still a card game, but at that point, it's also a turn-based tactical game in a yeah. weird sense, and it's also an open-world game, right? Or no, there's no open no, no, world no. Game. That one wasn't open world. It was just sections. I, I you would t- go, you would go across a map. You know, a mashup I don't really care for is the first-person dungeon crawler. Like Etrian Odyssey, um, and see, and now I guess you know one of the things that was mentioned in Discord recently by Liam uh, was actually that you can never ever take any genre and just completely say you won't play it because you will miss fantastic games. And you are right; I normally would not be one for a first-person dungeon crawler, except uh, but I ended up loving Severed. Severed, yeah. So it gets to be that weird thing where it's like you just got to find the right game and oh it, yeah no, you I can, agree. now as a whole i will say i still wouldn't necessarily just rush to play even though that game is amazing it doesn't make me want to rush to play first person dungeon crawlers yeah but like dragon quest games and some of those they're turn-based first person games yeah like i can't stand that but they're good games Ooh. it's not a mashup i'm trying to think lot. of a mashup i would really just love so like one of the things i've talked about which it gets to be weird but we talk about more like it, it starts to sound more like you're adapting turn, franchises. Turn-based strategy racing game. That would be extremely weird. Yeah, How do like you, you, the whole, the, you construct a world of uh, like a racetrack against another player, and you see, like you construct it using all kinds of obstacles and stuff, and then you then give that player that racetrack, and you see how fast they can race through it. Okay. 
Well, see, I was thinking more like you, you're actively racing, you and him, and you're on a board, and it's like your moves matter versus theirs. That would be kind of cool, too. That would be weird. Now, how that would actually work, who knows? It's all we need to be game developers. <laughs> what, what do we do in our life? You know what's funny is I bet you on Steam someone's already made this game, oh, and no, we don't I, even realize I'm, it. I'm 100%. Like, I'm pretty sure there's a Breath of the Auto variant of like making a racing map just intensely hard for somebody to race through. I don't know. That's a question I have a hard time answering. I'm sad because it's actually a great question. But other than that, like, you just you see because I, I talk about often like um, and definitely recently like me and Ryan were talking on PlayStation. I may have mentioned this on the podcast, but like the idea, I think me, I think we did mention it on the podcast. We were talking about it with you, um, which was like the idea of taking a game like Horizon that has a world that automatically fits and adapting that game to go into a world that's more like Monster Hunter. Take it away from its monster. Take it away from a completely open world. Do open segment, open world, like, open areas, kind of like. Um, basically an open hub like Monster Hunter does, give you a right. big open area, take the core gameplay elements of what you see in Horizon, move those into a Monster Hunter structure thing where you are in an overworld, you have a mission, yeah. you it's go... Like a you mashup a, almost. Yeah, but, it's, See, but it, it is and it isn't. It's almost like you're adapting a world to fit a style, but I definitely love that idea. More mashups, like I think one of the games that has done it so perfectly and so flawlessly, uh, in my opinion, uh, the original Nier was close, but then Nier Automata is a perfect example of a game that constantly switches genres up yep. and does so does in a, really in a well. great way. Uh, I mean, going all the way to where both the original Nier and Nier Automata both used text adventure as a, as a spot. Eventually, you know, when you're rolling yeah, through in, the Popola stuff. Yeah, the very end, yeah, of Atomata. Um, it was really cool. Whereas there's an actual entire part of the original Nier where there's, like, a tree world, and you go into the tree, and, like, it puts you to sleep, and, like, you see everything as words, and you have to remember these things. And, like, I like it, but I see, but that's not one mashup. That's a series that has a, a, a constructed gameplay style, but we're going to switch it up all the time by doing that. So here's the weirdest example I have of a game that does multiple mashups and doesn't even stick to one play style. And it's a game that I don't love necessarily because the story was very weak. Kingdom Hearts recoded, R-E-coded. Never played that uh, one. So the way it worked is that every world you went to, like, you know, in the Kingdom Hearts grand scheme of things, every world you go to uh, was different gameplay-wise. So when you went to the Coliseum, it was turn-based. Uh, and but it was cool because it was like active turn based where like when they go to attack you you could you could still block at the right time even though it was still turn based you could block and uh, completely block the blow or when you were going to do your attack you could hit a button and do a, a special kind of like you can in uh, South Park the Stick of Truth yeah. where it's like uh, oh, okay right if you time it just right you can amplify your hit even though you're still doing a turn based thing uh, and every every world did that one was like a very uh, platforming based world and there wasn't a lot of combat then there was one that was like oh we're going to be card based one we're going to do turn based and it it was interesting the entire game kept trying to shake up the genres and it was fun but I do think I, I tend to like the idea of one genre adapt or one series adapting to fit a genre more uh, but I guess that depends on what you consider a, a, a mashup so, yeah. so that's where I'm going to leave the question but sure. uh, Next question is from Mr. Josh Ayers. Uh, do you think people will add the Battle Royale mode to game still, or has the time been missed? I feel it came and went. I agree. I feel like – I don't think it came and went. I think we will still see games do it because there's even been rumor of Red Dead 2 having it. But the problem with that is that too many of the games came up at once. Yeah. It's, and a, it's a muddy market. It's already because Grand Theft Auto already has a mode. H one Z one was one of the originals, and then you have PUBG, you have Fortnite. Grand Theft Auto shortly released one that's that was out there. Then you have all the there's ones on phones too. There's mobile games that are all just yeah. cr copies, you know. Yeah. So I think too many of them came, and I think it would be smarter to completely leave it alone. Unless at this a point. really competent studio does it, and I mean something that's even on turn like Fortnite runs way 
better than PUBG does in most cases. Like PUBG, which to be dead honest is going to make sense. Epic yeah. is Epic is an established consoles. studio. Yeah, I'm talking so. about consoles. I, PUBG on my PC is no problems running it, but um, I've never played Fortnite on my PC. I would assume the same. But yeah, when you're comparing it to consoles, if you gave a, a competent company, you know, time and money to build one, I could I could see them building a cool one. But yeah, what Brett said, pretty much they came and went. Yeah, or I um, guess technically what Josh and Ayer said, because he's, he's the one who said they well, came yeah. and went. So, but I mean, I agree with him. So, If your PSN was also your rapper name, what would it be? I'd be MC Backlog, Mr. Alabama Gamers. So I, this question was weird at first. I thought he was saying, like, if your PSN ID was your rap name, what would it be? Which mine would be Chimera 06. Yeah. But then I thought, I think he's saying, like, if you had a rapper name and it was going to be tied into like your PlayStation PSN world. Stuff, yeah. So like he, so I know in the discord, he sent massive pictures of, I mean, he has the most massive backlog he I've does. ever seen. Shoko talks about his and we've seen enough of it, but uh, I mean, yeah, he's got way more uh, than Shoko. So, I mean, uh, that's, you know, if mine would be, I, I can't think of a clever name, but my biggest problem, and I mentioned it the other day is my, really bad inability to switch between games. I almost have to play a game to completion before I can really feel comfortable moving to another game because I just feel like I'm juggling them and it makes me not enjoy them right. So like, no, I have I a big problem quitting playing a game. To, so like, you know, I, I took a big break from Monster Hunter because I was sick and whatnot. I was trying to play easy stuff. And every game I was playing, I would complete. And then I'd complete it and move on to the next game, complete it, move on to the next game. Then I moved back into Monster Hunter. Now I'm at a part with Monster Hunter where I'm like, I know that it's going to take me too long to do this. And then I got kidney stone. So I'm like, now I'm going to play Life is Strange. Yeah. Because I don't know how well I'll be able to play Monster Hunter. I'm probably going to complete Life is Strange before I even go back to Monster Hunter. No. But we'll see. I don't know if that's true. We'll see. I want to play tonight. but If you play tonight and I don't feel like crap and I'm not drugged up, I will play Monster Hunter I'll, with you. I'll, uh... But that's my biggest problem is, is not being able to bounce around games. So what would my rap name be? Let's see. What's my biggest? I say... My biggest, yeah, you hit it. You're Mr. MC. Hit it and quit it because you can't hit it. You can't hit anything else until you quit it the first time. That is true. I, well, okay, fine, fine. I, I have to name yours then. So what are you? I don't know. Like I was, uh, I was seriously trying to think of like what a good so, one. Be. So what? So what's your what's your thing about gaming that you normally have a, like a weird weakness to? Sir, mix a lot because like, I oh, mix it all. I up. I know what you are. What? No, you don't mix it all up. You're now. I don't know if it's going to be MC, but you're MC by the game again because all you do is yeah. sell and buy and sell and buy. And Ryan hates that. He talks about all the time. He's like, I love the joke that you're rich because you just. <laughs> I bought and grass all like seven times. He said it so many times. He's like, man, Saul, what kind of money do you have? He's just, <laughs> Enough to buy Grand Theft Auto seven times at full price. But now you've bought it digitally, right? So you can't. I bought it. it digitally. I can't trade it back in. I bought Witcher 3 digitally. I can't trade it back in. I bought Persona 5 digitally. I can't trade it back in. This is why digital rocks my socks. Sean Sanderud says, favorite ending to a game. After playing Shadow of the Colossus again, I've forgotten how great the ending was. Probably my fave. Obviously, I'm not going to speculate on the ending of these of this game because I don't want to ruin it. But near is definitely my top one. Oh, favorite ending to a game? Yeah, a single game. This is going to be th- this is where it gets hard between the original near near Automata. Both have fantastic endings. Never played the original one, so I got to go with Automata. So. I'm trying to think of other really powerful endings because. Ico and Shadow of the Colossus uh, and The Last Guardian. You know what? I'm going to say in recent memory, it gets really hard. My favorite game ending, I think I'm going to have to go with Saul. Uh, I'm not going to say Automata. Right now, I'm going to say Original Nier because there's just something so... You learn so much at the end, and then it's also just really impactful. So I'm going to say the Original Nier. 
But of recent years, there's been a lot of really good ones because Nier Automata was really good. I mean, just a fantastic ending. Yeah. But also a game that a lot of people missed, and I know Saul had a lot of issues with, which kind of left a bad taste in his mouth. But The Last Guardian did have a fantastic ending. I say that often. I mean, that game, the ending choked me up way more than I expected it to. And that's interesting because, you know, like the ending of the Shadow of Colossus gives you like a lump in your throat, but that's because yeah. of the way that the game does. I, every, and most people know by now, it's just the way that game presents itself. There's something about the way the ending goes. And it's what I even like more than that is that some, to some example, you could technically say the ending of the Shadow of Colossus is still happy with as much of that as that game is like sh- you know, shrouded in darkness. The yeah. ending is still actually kind of a bright light. Um, the Last Guardian, though, just got me because it's a little more like more time with your building a character and the way that the characters interact with each other, whereas Shadow of the Colossus is just like everything coming to a head and then seeing the result of that. So I'm going to say original Nier, a special shout-out to Nier Automata, and then a very special shout-out to The Last Guardian. Sounds good. Next question up we have... Ultra Beep, he says, Hello, Brett and Saul. What's your opinion on Zone of the Enders? Any favorite mech games? Zone of the Enders is super good, a series. The one would being way too short of a game. Um, but yeah, Zone of the Enders 2 was really good. Um, so we've talked about this before. I've played Zone of the Enders. I've never beaten any of them. Yeah, they're, they're um, Jahudi is the name of your mech in that game, and Dingo is the main character from the second one. I can't think so of what the... Uh, with the way the Zone of the Enders games works, I really enjoyed the way was. they played. It's just they came out on PS2 back when I didn't have easy access to games, so I didn't end up playing them. I didn't get the Zone of the Enders collection they did on PS3. Should have. I did on didn't. Xbox, but it didn't... Something about it ran weird. I just don't remember what, what it was. Hmm, I don't know. Uh, with it being a Hideo Kojima game, I almost wonder if it was because of the text, uh, the contextual sensitive buttons. You remember the pressure sensitive that made uh, the Metal Gear Solid collection run weird on, on, on Xbox. Xbox. Dude, it was terrible. Um, so I wouldn't. I can't remember if that game has anything like that, but um, I can't either. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Zone of the Enders is cool, and it looks like it may be prepping for a comeback. You know, with the HD one coming out for VR with VR support. Yeah, uh, I think that'd be really cool, and that's I'm, probably when I'm going to give it a real like, hey, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to beat this, and see how I really enjoy the game. I'm curious. I feel uncomfortable. What wouldn't it be Konami? I guess so. Yeah, but like. I really hope they don't do the same thing they did to Metal Gear Survive. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Coming back with something way different. Yeah. But, yeah, I would say Zone of the Enders 2 is my favorite mech game. I mean, Chrome Hounds they look awesome. Good. They look awesome. I mean, I like mech games, but the majority of the mech games I have a lot of time with are actually older. This is back when I was young and had a lot of time to do this crap. Uh, was actually uh, Gundam games, and there's a Gundam, Gundam game. Gundam Seed. Well, there's, there's a Gundam game called um, Gundam Front Mission. Um, Extra stray, yeah. I can't Not a game. But Oh, Gundam Seed the show? Yeah. Uh the Gundam it's a Gundam game for Dreamcast. Um Oh the first person. Uh one. Gundam Side Story 0079 Rise of yeah. the Ashes. Yeah, it was it's awesome. first person. It was well, you could play from the cockpit point of view for the game, which was like a very like one of the first times you could do that in one of the Gundam games. I love that game because of that. Um and I don't know, the Dreamcast I got a lot of fond memories with. So I mean I think Zone of the Enders is cool. I just don't want to say anything too crazy about it because it's not my friend, you know, I, I, I don't have enough experience with the franchise to be able to just speak to a real degree with it. So this game was amazing. Like it, I still have it. Big Seth has it. And my dream. I, cast, I yeah. played it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, all right, next question is, do you guys think that rock music is dead? I'm saying this because back in the day, rock music played on the radio and on TV, and you would see a lot of teenagers who look like they listen to rock music, but nowadays you only hear rock music on the, or you hardly ever hear rock music on radio or TV this generation of people. Seem to only people seem to only care about rap and pop music. That's Richard Rivero. Uh, I'm going to say something that is kind of weird. There was a point in time where, even though it wasn't necessarily changing what it was doing, rock became a very acceptable mainstream thing. Uh, so in the '80s when it first started, obviously rock and metal were pretty. They got to a point where they were so big that they were starting to get rivaled uh, with bands like Guns N' Roses and Metallica. They were starting to rival rival pop music at the same time, right? right. So Madonna and stuff like you were seeing stuff. Um, Cindy Lauper, all those people, you were seeing them actually be in a similar space, uh, which was interesting because it's not that common any, anymore. You really have like radio pop and radio country are like the two main ones now, whereas country was big back then too, but just a different stance. Um, I don't, I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't think it's dead. We are two people that listen to it, but part of it, I think, is that all There's so many genres, all music it. has branched into so many genres, and and because. Music is so easy to put on the internet these days. Like we even do it, or you know, me and me and Blaze and the bands I've I've participated in. It's so easy to put your music out. It's hard to classify what it is, though. <laughs> that it starts to be weird to classify what it is, and there's not record label pushes behind it, and there's not as big a thing. So while there's more music than ever now, the music that's being funneled to us by traditional channels, and because radio is dying in its own sense. Uh, the only radio that's really surviving is the very, very radio pop oriented music, which is written specifically to do that. So, yeah, yeah I mean, maybe you see a little less of it, but then again, I think that you see more rock and even it depends on what you consider rock again, but you see like a lot of alternative rock and stuff like that. Like life is strange. It's got a ton of, it has a fantastic soundtrack, uh, which I would consider rock. It's very like alternative and, uh, uh, you know, some like prog rock to it a little bit. Not, let's say prog rock, I guess. But yeah, prog rock's weird. Uh, anyway, so it goes into that. I mean, I think in some ways you're seeing it because you're seeing games like Doom use metal soundtracks, and you, it's a good you, soundtrack. In too. a lot of ways, rock is more alive than ever. It's just not in the mainstream in the same way as it was. And every culture is so different now. Games are bigger now than they were, so games start to take up more of the uh, uh, pop culture realm. Music kind of is just different. Rock bands are not necessarily as big as like Metallica. That's not something you see common anymore. Like no. they exist, but a lot of the ones that exist are ones that have been doing it for upwards of fifteen years. So, I mean, I don't know. That's where I stand on it. Obviously, I'm, pretty much the I'm same. wearing a PlayStation shirt right now, but nine times out of ten in this podcast, I'm wearing a band shirt. So, and the only band shirt I have, I think, is Dance Gavin Dance. So, but well, you have you have the near conversion band shirt, so I sure do. <laughs> Y'all ain't never heard of that band They're underground. Uh, I'm pretty much the same though. Like, if you want to classify the type of music I listen to, there's three or four different kinds of rock and metals in there. So, it's all kind of like at this point. I have friends who who listen to the same uh, type of music, and that's all I really care about because they're I hang out with them weekly. So it's not like I'm kind of you know away from people who don't like it. I that's true. The music you listen there. to really only matters with the people that you converse about it with. So yeah. I mean, you know, and I listen Unless, to plenty of stuff that you don't like, and you listen to plenty of stuff I don't like. Yeah, but, I mean, it's just it is what it is. Jerome fell. I mean, we never did get confirmation on that, so I hope we uh, said that right again. The, yeah, so, I was looking at the camera. Completionist versus trophy hunter versus trophy whore. Thoughts on each. I'm I'm really a, a completionist when it comes down to it. I, yeah, I really have to love the game or the series to be the trophy whore. And okay, that, so hold on, me, hold on, hold on. There's a difference between trophy whore, trophy hunter, and, tro- and completionist in my mind. 
Not, see, in my mind, they're all completionists is to do every single thing in the game that you would want to be able to do to complete the game or to max out everything in the game. But that doesn't necessarily translate to trophies. Right, because trophies could have weird ones like do this thing 10 hundred times or something. Sure. Uh, trophy hunter is hunting after the trophies that you think are, or, or, or hunting after trophies you want to have because they're hard to obtain. And then trophy whore is getting the platinum for the games you want to play because you want the platinum. Okay, so here's where I stand the difference on that in terms of the wording. Uh, completionist is people like Ryan, for sure, people who just literally play a game until there is nothing, nothing else. left to do. Uh, and I think that you see that often. Now, sometimes that does pull into where completionist will naturally get you a platinum or trophies. Yeah. Um, a trophy hunter is someone like me who, when you play a game that you like, you actually will hunt trophy, but you'll go a little bit out of your way, too, to make sure. And I don't I won't say completely like me because there's a difference. I'll try and play the game naturally, then do a trophy run. So that's a there's there's a, and that's where I think trophy whore starts coming to line. So trophy whore, to an extent, is people who play games they won't even enjoy because they want the trophies. The only game I think I ever did that on is my name is Mayo. Uh, and yeah, you guys keep trying to convince me to do Hannah Montana. <laughs> I'm getting it for your birthday. I mean... It, is it a PS3 game or a PS4 game? It's a I mean? PS3 game. That's what I thought. You better give me a PS3 for my birthday, too. Okay, cool. I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like 60 bucks probably. But <laughs> I know, right? But anyway, so my point being, though, is that trophy whore the people who go out of their way to play games that they wouldn't like even the necessarily Ogres enjoy game, just the, to do the it. thousand rated plus game or whatever it's called. Yeah, people go out of their way to get easy platinums because they're literally whoring themselves out for the trophies. Trophy Hunter sense. is someone who every game they play, they at least intend to get most of the trophies or platinum it as long as they enjoy the game enough to do so. I guess I'd fall into that category. Cause and then completionists are people who don't really care about the trophies necessarily, but they care about completing the game. Yeah, I care about completing the things in the game to earn me a trophy. Because Ryan doesn't really care about trophy hunting, but he right. cares about completing a game. Exactly. He wants- I guess that would put me as trophy hunter then, because I care more about the trophy than completing what's in the game. Yeah, so I'm going to call me a trophy hunter too. Now, you've been a little more trophy horse than I have. Only one game. One game's enough, Saul. Nope, it's not. <laughs> we have Dan who wants who says, fish fingers or chocolate fingers? Uh, we don't have chocolate fingers here in the United States, really. And see, now, hold fish on. Fingers. Now, fish fingers, is that fish sticks? I was going to say fish fingers are fish sticks, and fish sticks so are fantastic. By, by a little bit of spicy ketchup in there with so, it. So by nature, is a chocolate finger just a stick of chocolate? I mean, we still really don't have those here. See, well, I think of a chocolate finger is like a cracker. At least, at least not here in the South, which is Pocky, which does not come from the South, though. That is true. Yeah, that's a biscuit covered in chocolate. So you can't say that. I mean, I guess you could. Pocky's... Japanese. I'm still taking the salty, crusty, fried thing over the chocolatey thing, no matter what it is. But, like, yeah, in the picture he specifically showed us on Twitter, it was Cadbury chocolate fingers, and we don't have those. We definitely don't um, have those, so I don't know. That's that's interesting. But, yeah, definitely going to go with the fried thing. I could dip my spicy ketchup I like, in, have a plate of macaroni and cheese with it. Yeah, I like that he put genuine, not euphemistic at all. <laughs> yeah, I know, because he was, he was really wanting to know. But, um, all right, but Josh yeah. Ayers, Fish. another one from him, he says, What are your thoughts on Xbox getting Kingdom Hearts 3, but no other Kingdom Hearts game has released on the system? It's not like it's a reboot, so what's the point? I think I, it's just to, just to give the people who bought the Xbox over the PS4 for friends and stuff, it gives them an out because... Okay, so here's what I really think. They may be fans of the system. Ow. That was my kneecap. Are you talking fans of the series, you mean, I guess? Yeah, I mean, uh, fans of so the series. So where I stand on this, I think it's stupid. Uh, and I think it's stupid specifically for the reason he gave. They So here's what I think happened, and then I'll say into why I think continued to happen. I think what happened initially... What? Nothing. I was thinking of something. Yeah, what I think happened initially is, if you remember, with Final Fantasy XV and Kingdom Hearts Three, they were announced at the same time, right? Right. I, and at the same time, both of them announced before the PS4 Xbox was even out. Right. And they got announced for both systems. Yep. PS4 dominated. 
Yep. Xbox did not do well in Japan, even though they, they kept saying they were going to do that. Well, they lost Japan a really time. cool original looking game. PS, yeah, PS4 continued to do so well, and JRPGs continued to do not very well on Xbox, even in yep. America. And one of the things I think really made them go, oh my God, uh, was Final Fantasy Type O HD, which was the PSP game that got re sent over I, here. I hate that one too. Um, but it should have been a Vita uprise. It would have made more sense. It would have felt more. Combat was really stiff and weird in that game. And it wouldn't, but wouldn't the con- combat have felt more at home, home on the handheld? Yeah, where not, you're like, okay, yeah, this was, feels right. The pace, the change, the pacing was weird in that game. I guess it I felt say. like a handheld game that it you're did. playing on, on console, which was weird. Uh, but it wasn't optimized that greatly either. Did not look like a PS or it did not look like a PS4. Some game. games, did, some parts did, and then some parts looked awful. It looked terrible. But my point being is that that game came out right. Right. That game sold like 90% of its copies on PS4, which I think made Square go, oh, man. We need to put... And then you see what happened again. Nier ends up coming over here, right? And Nier sells the majority of its stuff on, on PS4. Well, and then they still have problems on PC that mods have to fix. That mm-hmm. I don't know what... Platinum really needs to get on their kind of their optimization. My point sense. being is that JRPGs have not shown to do very well on the on the Xbox. So what happened is that they already promised that 15 and, and Kingdom Hearts 3 were going to come to Xbox and... As a way to not have to backstep on that, they just went ahead and were like, we're going to put them out anyway. It does not make sense to me in the slightest. Uh, if you remember, um, the with the way it goes, so the original uh, collections that they did on PS3, which was 1.5, 2.5. Um, 2.8. 2.8 came PS4, but 1.5 and 2.5 oh, originally on PS3. PS4. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry, I may have said PS4, but on PS3, uh, they came out and they were exclusive to that. All right, already kind of whatever. But now when Kingdom Hearts 3 got announced, people were like, surely we'll get them again and we'll get them on PS4, right? So then you see 2.8 announced, okay? Right. 2.8 comes, does its thing. You see 1.5 plus 2.5 announced. All of them are still PS4 exclusive. Right. And not only is 2.8 PS4 exclusive, it includes a game that you can't even play on any other system except for PS4 that does directly somehow yeah, tie to the events of 3, which is Birth by Sleep 0.2, 0. Uh, a, fragmentary, a fragmentary I passage. never remember that. So my problem here is that how do you expect this game to make sense to someone who only has an Xbox? They're trying to get you to buy a PS4 with the exclusivity of 1.5 and 2.5 and 0.28. I think, it, well, I think it came down to why waste the money putting those those games out on that console when they've not they traditionally not. shown. Yeah. Yeah, they don't know that it won't, but there's no data that backs up that it would do well. I could be extremely wrong in that, but if you look at all the JR, all the Square games that are JRPGs that have released on the console and you see all the, all the games that we've gotten exclusively, uh, do you remember 360? 360 got uh, Star Ocean 4, right? Right. Uh, and and w- what happened with Star Ocean 5? PS- PS4 exclusivity. Because and there was not a lot they of- had no hope that it was going to do well on that system. I know this. They are pull- They are being smart. They're doing what they can to make sure that they, bu- they balance the budget to make the game on the system that's going to do the best on. Kingdom Hearts 3 will undoubtedly sell on the on Xbox, but I, almost, I can't imagine anybody on Xbox buying it who's going to understand what the hell's happening in the game. Right? Right. Like, it's so, not going to make sense because they don't have point two. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things they don't have. If they didn't buy a PSP uh, or a PS4, oh, yeah, they haven't played Birth by Sleep. They, if they didn't have a 3DS or a PS4, they didn't play Dream Drop Distance. If they don't have a Game Boy or a PS2 or a PS3 or a PS4, they didn't play Chain of Memories. There's a ton of things that have happened now that they cannot that tie into the way 3 is going actively, and there's no sense to be made from it. For the Xbox standpoint. So I think it's a mistake, but I think it's something that they have to do because they went ahead and promised it ahead of the time. But, hey, who knows what will happen. Um, 
Next question is from Elchbeeb. He says, do you guys directly quit or indirectly quit a game? Like, do you guys quit to the title screen and then quit the game? Or do you quit a game right from the gameplay screen? Uh, because of Straight the, to rest mode. That's what I was about to say. Straight to rest mode for the most part. Uh, and that ties into what I'm talking about where normally I play a game to completion. So I can just continuously leave my console on rest mode and just turn it on, play, put it on rest mode, keep going back because I will keep playing the same game. But... When it does come time to have to leave a game, I hardly ever go to the main menu and then quit. I'll just yeah. quit directly to the outside screen. Sometimes I'll just literally hit eject and it'll close the application for you because I do disc on everything. That's true. Um, and I'll just put the next disc in. So interesting question. But uh, yeah, yeah I definitely I would guess that I would say a di- would that be a direct quitter, right? An indirect quitter I would be the one who is. I guess indirect rest mode. And then direct quitter would be ejecting the game, quitting out on it. Who knows? I just I go to rest mode because it's rare that I'm playing more than one game at any given time. And if I am, you know, open up back rest mode, save Monster Hunter, and navigate to Witcher Three, which I may play tonight if you don't play Monster Hunter, but yeah. we'll see. Um, do you think we get too many game releases nowadays, and does it hinder people completing games? I remember the days of completing game droughts, or I remember the days of gaming droughts, but they have long gone, and I struggle to play every game I want to. Uh, this comes from Sean Santarude. I think that gaming droughts are still here just in the summertime. We actually did an episode not too long ago about this, that in the summertime, it's kind of hard to get a good game. But they but they are starting to feel it a little more. You know what yeah. I mean? That's the thing. So I think some of what he says is true. The gaming droughts are few and far between now, but they yeah. exist. I think it would be hard for them to not exist ever. Uh, but I think the other thing is, Sean, you're dealing just with what I'm dealing with. I'm, you're a father. I'm a father. I, yeah. Other things come into your life and you don't get as much time to play. Some games are bigger that you're excited for and you have to undoubtedly give them more time, which means that some of the smaller games that you would have normally like played three small games in the span of that one big game, you're not getting to do that now. You're having to displace the games. I mean, you start to get a backlog. You feel a little weird. I still have to finish games because of the way that I feel. It's really hard for me to start a game and not finish it. Um, I just feel bad. I, I, there's something about, I feel like I'm missing something. And it's not like... It depends on the game. Yeah, I don't have a fear of missing out. I have a, I have the problem of fearing of missing out on the ending of a game. So like, I don't care if I see a game, I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to ha- I don't want to miss out on that game, so I'm going to pick it up. I don't really care about that. If I pick up a game, though, I want to see it through to the end unless it's not respectful of my time. And that just basically means that the game is not good enough for me to feel like I need to continue giving it my time. Right. Which to an extent you have to do. Some games are endless. No Man's Sky, you can't necessarily beat. You can platinum. So, I mean, yeah. I guess at that point you can say that's your same, completion mark. Same the whole Monster Hunter to an extent. It's like, for me, I'm going to... But there is a story. There is an objective story oh, yeah. on Monster Hunter that you yeah. can beat. So, I mean, again, when I quit playing Monster Hunter, I think when I quit playing it a lot... It's such a loose story, too. ...will be when I beat to. the story. And yeah. then I think I'll do the Destiny dive back in every couple of weeks with Monster Hunter and just play for the fun of it because yeah, we're all playing. So. I, I, I'm pretty much, you know, find out a weapon, find out a weapon set that could go with it, make the weapon set, make the big weapons, fight the bad guys a couple of times, and I'm done. But, um, yeah, it's pretty much pretty much the same there. Um, I put like 145 to 150 hours in a Monster Hunter now. That could easily be three to four smaller games if I wanted it to be or more. Um, I think it just comes down to me of the dedication. Like, I have Witcher 3 sitting on my dashboard at home on the PS4. I still have Persona 5 to get through. It's so like one day I'll take like a week vacation from work or something, and I'll have – it'll be in the middle or in between something, and I'll play – that's what I'll play it, like Nier. Nier was the perfect game to come back to for the 45 to 50 hours it took me to, to beat it. And um, 
it's just I, there is no more fear of missing out for me in terms of games. Like unless well, it's there online can't games, be, right? Well, yeah, with fun because the way everything's coming out, you know, Detroit and Dark Souls come out on the same exact day, and I am. I don't think I'm off that weekend. So you're going to have to miss something, am, at least temporarily. You know, at least I am taking bit. a vacation towards the end of May, anyway, from family stuff. So it's like at that point, it probably will fall on time I'm off. It's just what am I going to do? Like, am I am I going to make Detroit my primary game, which I think I'm going to do, and then follow up with breaks with Dark Souls One? But me loving Dark Souls One so much, it may very well flip in that. So we'll see. Yeah, that's one of those weird things, though. That there's so many games you just can't do anything about it. So I mean, it's unfortunate, but I mean, oh well. You got yeah. you got to do it sometimes, though. All right, on to the next one. So what's up with this? One? Why'd you put shenanigans in ass? I, I really don't know because I know they're not going to watch this episode. Uh, would you ever be willing to feature a tutorial style video slash episode of the anime tabletop? It's our friends over at Shenanigans and such. Um, they'll never watch this, but I'll say yeah. I'm never. Down. I'm always down for that kind of thing. I mean, I'd be down for it. Bonus episodes up. Uh, back for so if you don't know what that is, which I know you really don't, uh, they are making like an unofficial anime board game, which is just a bunch of anime characters that come in. Uh, and they are making their own systems and how that makes sense, and they have been showing that off, and they're going to be showing it off at a con we have coming up, and they showed it off this weekend at Books a Million. Um, so they're just letting people... They did a, a whole lot of internal playing and then a, a very small friends groups playing, and now they're doing controlled groups of people who want to come and meet up with them to play. Okay. So they're doing more like out there testing. Now, of course, it's not something they can ever sell officially because of the fact that it's... Uh, so many copyrighted so material. So many licenses <laughs> will never happen. Yeah. They, were do- they were smarter when they were doing it just Dragon Ball, but they were never going to get the Dragon Ball license, so it doesn't matter. No. Um, okay, next question. Um, I want... This is LTB as well. Uh, I want to ask your opinion on about Bungie and their recent missteps with the Destiny games specifically. I played the original one and hated it. The gunplay was fine, but the repetitive gameplay and bad story put me off. Hallelujah. He then goes on to talk about how Halo was written and created uh, an entire universe that worked really well together to compared to the way the Destiny series goes. So basically his thing is like, where did Bungie go wrong with Destiny versus what they did with Halo? I think Halo was lightning in the bottle. Uh, it was one of those random moments where it was something they were passionate about. They weren't big yet. They were able to make that what they wanted to and expand it because they had the time and scope and the support. Uh, whereas already being a big deal because of Halo going off. They got too big for their britches. They go off to Destiny. And I was talking about this the other day. The problem with Destiny in my mind is that I would have preferred to see Destiny. And I, and I think I am alone in this, to be fair. I would have preferred to see, not Destiny, Bungie, uh, Come back, come off of Halo and do something so different you wouldn't even recognize it. And the problem with Destiny is that Destiny just feels like Halo in an open world that is just way more online oriented. The, The story is worse by far, but I think some of that is based off of Halo being a game that is focused on a story. Destiny is a game that's focused on playing online. Yeah. They are working. It's funny. The game looks so much like Halo. I, I mean, it, it it really does. It, it's obvious that Bungie made it, especially that vehicle mission of Destiny too. Felt spot the, well. On the like way the Halo armor game. looks, the the way the design team is working, it looks like a Bungie game. There's no if, ands, or buts. No, it definitely it. like a Bungie game, not a Halo. Uh, but I mean, that's could, the only other test you have. So I mean, well, only. Okay, one <laughs> one other game on PS2, PS2 before they were you know bought out by Microsoft. 
Um, no, I think I think Halo series is a really good series. I think the stories are really good. They have really good books. They have really good. One's controlled like a and one's action not. movie. Yeah, because you know, think about it, you're playing as Master Chief. You're playing as a as established a control, character. Yeah, as a singular character in a universe written around him. We're playing in a, in a universe written created. around where there's a million guardians, and we're all making our we're own character. The one. <laughs> there, it doesn't make any sense, and it is part of the problem of always online games like this. The story always feels less impactful because there is. Like, it, okay, it, like it's, I talked it's about, not tailored to a central character. What should have been great about Destiny Two, and I actually thought was just a really misused, was how quickly they gave you your ability to respond back. And I, yeah. that sounds wild. No, it doesn't. It, but it if they could sense. have pulled way more on that, it was so cool for the little twenty minutes you had it to think that in Destiny, if I actually die this time, there is a feeling in the back of my head that I won't come back. Yeah, and that was so cool. Just like in parts of the Halo games when you're missing Cortana, you actually you don't have Cortana for quite a while in some of these games, and it feel you feel like you don't have Cortana. There's nothing you there feel like to you. you're powerless. You feel yeah. like you're unlike in in Destiny where I was like I'm still going around killing all these things in one punch. Like at this point, there's nothing that's attacking me that I feel like I'm gonna die. And it's it's just a weird thing. The, it's the, just they do share beautiful soundtracks though, beautiful visuals. But I think that the stories there's great great missteps with de- with. Bungie, and I think that has... I think it's expectations. Yeah. Activision are coming down on them and being like, we gave you this much money, we gave you all this stuff, we made this decision with you, we're going to buy you, but you've got to make us money. I think that there's way more pressure on them than there was. That doesn't... It's not an excuse, but I think it is somewhat of what we're seeing here. And I think that we're seeing... And Saul may disagree with us. I don't know. He follows a little bit. I think that we are also seeing mismanagement of Bungie. Definitely when you start hearing all these cracks in the in the stories of how Bungie... About Destiny 2 restarting development 11 months before launch. Uh, all these stories that were coming out about Activision uh, going to own the company. Like Bungie was going to have to forfeit their shares like to Activision Siva, if they didn't release it in a certain window. The Siva DLC was supposed to be, in Desti- was supposed to be Destiny 2. Yes, yeah, that's what, what I mean. I like you, you keep seeing these these changes that keep happening, and I think you're seeing mismanagement. And, it's, and I'm so scared for the Division Two because of how bad Destiny Two bots coming back around. That I just, I, I want to see the Division Two build completely off of what the Division One was, and then continue to take it forward instead of doing what Destiny Two did, which was completely scrapping what Destiny One was and trying to start from scratch again. But it didn't feel right. One of my biggest things with like Division though, and this is uh, it's not it's not really excusable because it's it's the way the game is built. Uh, Ryan uploaded a video earlier today. Uh, it's it, he said this is how I don't play the Division two or Division I mean, but like just watching and it's it's the same thing of going through and like these human people wearing no types of special armor take two clips to kill and I'm shooting them in the head. That stuff to me that that right there is 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 a pet peeve almost. That I probably should have mentioned two episodes ago. Now, and it does well, come down to... punches are really, really annoying. Well, and, and it comes down to third-person games because a lot of third-person well, games... bad, too. Yeah. Well, but also a lot of third-person games don't take headshots as a, a into account, really. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Is there... That, a, that game does, but it does it by how much damage you're doing. I, I, I was going to sneeze. Oh. Is there a type of gaming genre you really can't get into or dislike? You guys tend to be... Or you guys tend to play a right old mix of games. Um, how very British of you, <laughs> right? I like that. Though. I that, loved that, it too. I saw. It, I was like, ah. Uh, I mean, great. honestly, hardcore sim style games, I can't n- exactly get into. Like Mud Runner is going to be one I'll try out, but like Gran Turismo is a game I don't think I could play. It's just too simmy, way too simmy. Uh, but really, I'll give anything a shot. Like I downloaded the Gran Turismo beta and I had fun with it. 
um, the GT Sport. But really, though, like, Brett, do you have any? I don't really think I have any. I mean, just, we'll never play. Okay, we, we say this turn-based. often. We say this often. I or I say it often. I don't, I'm not big on turn-based games. They naturally have a sense of play that I just don't care for anymore. There was a point in my life where I liked them more, and there are exceptions to that rule. I do enjoy the Pokemon games. Not all of them. The most recent Pokemon games did not do it for me at all. But there are genres I obviously don't care for. I mean, that doesn't mean I'm not going to play anything in them. I will still play the occasional turn-based game just to see what it's like. I mean, I I enjoy both of the South Park games, and they're turn-based. Now, part of that is that I love South Park so much that I'm willing to go over my normal dislike for the series to go ahead and yeah. try it. But I also do try and play a little bit of everything. I mean, I tried Severed, even though by all accounts I shouldn't have liked Severed. Um, so, I mean, yeah, we play... I say that we are pretty genre. Like, we play a big range of genres. I'm not one of those people that just plays nothing but first-person shooters or nothing but third-person shooters. I don't just play online games. I mean, I mean... I, yeah, it's... it's we, we, there's no... right. We do have a... We do have a it right old a, mix. <laughs> it's a game-by-game game basis. Yeah. And I think it has to be... Okay, I traditionally don't play Call of Duty games, right? But you remember how excited I was for Infinite Advanced. Warfare and how good... Oh, yeah, I played Infinite, uh, Advanced Warfare online with you We played a lot of Advanced but Warfare. But do you remember how excited I was for Infinite Warfare and how much I actually enjoyed that game? Yeah. And I normally don't mess with the Call of Duty games because I've played enough of them to know that they don't normally scratch an itch for me. And, I mean, I can understand that. Like, I wasn't excited for... I was actually really against World War II. Ended up liking it a lot, you know. Black Ops are always something, or some of my favorite games. Of those yeah, and, and actually, so I'm excited be- for four because of Infinite Warfare. I've actually, and because I've heard a couple of people say that Black Ops Three is good, I've been debating just going to get Black Ops Three to play as a story. Whenever I have like a a, a couple of, I'll play weeks. multiplayer with you if you want. to Just jump into that for fun. If I can get the platinum, maybe, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah I don't know. If I like the Dude, game, Black Ops Three is still like they just dropped a gun for that game, like a new oh, gun. I know. Oh, like, I know. it's still heavily populated. Yeah, no, I know. Our last question of episode fifty. We have, what game systems hold out as the best you ever owned or played, and why is it the PlayStation Vita? So, <laughs> I'm definitely going to go out on a limb here and say that Vita is not my favorite. It's in the top five, but Game Boy Advance is my favorite, and it always Okay, so, th- here's the thing about this. What is the test for what makes the system the best you've ever owned, right? The games I played on it, the memories I have with it, and just the value of the system versus the time I spent on it. And that definitely all goes to Game Boy Advance, whether it's Pokemon Emerald, Pokemon Fire Red. Then you have the, all the Mega Man Battle Network games are on there. Sure. You had um, uh, Golden Sun. Those were really good games back then. I forgot about the Golden yeah, Sun dude, games. I, they there hadn't been one in a while. There was a DS uh, one, wasn't there? There was, a, there was a DS. It wasn't a 3DS. It was an original DS one. Uh, you had Final Fantasy Tactics on Game Boy Advance. You had so many good games. Secret of Mana, um, I played on that. Secret, Sword of Mana, not Secret Sword, of Mana. Yeah, I, I didn't play Sword of Mana on it, but yeah. Uh, and then just the cool factor of it, like, I had the original one that was just like a shape, like, like almost like a Vita is. But perfect ergonomic shape. No joke, though. That one was so comfortable. It was. I just wish it had a backlight. It was. Um, and then the, they came out, I had the original SP that had the backlight. Then I got the upgraded SP that had the two backlights that you could choose from. Um, and the fact that it was always backwards compatible Game Boy Color games, because we still had Crystal and sure. uh, Silver and Red. And young, being young, you're in a van. You're, you're, you know, you can't control what you're doing, so it's fun being able to like just roll around. And there was something about the handhelds for me too uh, that always do that because I mean, like, of course, there's a lot of special stuff in my life, like memories from the Game Boy Advance. But I didn't get to have a lot of games. Like one of the games I loved the most was that Metabots game that was like a Smash Brothers. I, yeah, I remember. Game. Yeah, I remember. You I love that about game. it. Um, 
but I didn't get a lot of time with the Game Boy Advance, and I didn't get a lot of games because we were just poor. Uh, and sadly, I couldn't afford much, and I didn't have friends that really had it. So I, I, I missed a lot of advanced games. So, I mean, it may have been that system for me if I would have had more of the games. Yeah. Um, so it's weird. He says Vita, and of course I love the Vita, and I talk about it all the time, and I still play mine occasionally. I mean, I still love the system. It's a great system. And by a lot of accounts, the, the Vita is one of the best systems ever made, but that's also because of what the system is, was actually capable of when it launched. I just found out earlier today that Sony had a lawsuit against them for the Vita. For what? It was the playing online using 3G. What was the lawsuit you, for? You, you couldn't. You can't do that. Oh, Oh, using 3G. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're so, right. Like, 4G, I, you probably could. It was something like FTC. Uh, like Everybody got a $25 check who, who joined the lawsuit. But the, people actually sued Sony and won over Oh, that. you know what? Do you remember But this that? is a while ago. I got $25 from that because I was a day one Vita buyer. That's what it was, too. If you yeah, bought, you one, bought, of the, if you one, bought one of the 3G, 3G Vitas. Ones. Yeah, you got yeah. $25. I forgot. Dude, that's been like a year and a half ago I that I got that. Upon that. Yeah, I stumbled upon that uh, one of those videos. I'm like... The title was Sony. I sued Sony and won, not clickbait. I'm like, it's from a guy I like, and I was like, I'm gonna watch this video. I forgot <laughs> I got that. I was like, I was, I was shocked, dude. I was like, wow. Because I remember when I got it, I was like, I didn't even know that was an issue. Yeah, because uh, like, I remember one of the things he said in the video that was the biggest thing was that in one of the original Sony Vita ads, they were saying you could play online anywhere, and it showed a guy in a subway. And I was like, you cannot access 3G in a subway, let alone you can't play games on 3G, so you can't play anywhere because subways didn't have Wi-Fi back then. So they, he said that was one of the pushing factors uh, on why he joined the, um, the yeah the, the class the lawsuit. action lawsuit. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. But so, so the Vita was obviously amazing. The ability to cross save was cool. The way it worked with the, with the PS3 was, was cool. cool too. Yeah, being able to play between being able to use like a, I mean being able to play um, PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale against the PS3 like even in the same house was yeah. really cool. Uh, basically, have it as your own controller but with your own dedicated screen. Like what the Wii U did. Before yeah, the Wii U like came when you're out. playing Smash, it was actually kind of fun to have the dedicated screen in yeah. front of you. You like you so felt I, like you had a weird advantage. I'm hoping the Switch does something like that because that'd be really cool. But but you know stuff like that, it was it was kind of different. But the Vita also just had a such a, a solid launch lineup, whereas the PS3 really didn't. I mean, the PS3 had a great launch lineup because of Resistance and MotorStorm, but everything else, nah, not really. Um, yeah, I mean, if, 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 you know, I would say that the Game Boy Advance is no contest at that point. But, like, if I was to follow up, it'd be PS4. Like, okay, so th- this is where I'm going to go even more wild because the PS4 is not over, and I just I don't have the time to just look back on it the same. Oh, all I got to know is Bloodborne near. Uh, I mean, I'm with you, but here's the thing with that, too. And then Dark Souls 3. The two consoles that really made me be to a point where I could consider gaming a passion because I could do them often enough. And I say this all the time. We know this. And, and, hey, I did what I did, and it's an issue. But, hey, whenever I was young, poor, same reason I couldn't do it. You stole the Kingdom Hearts disc from Blockbuster. No, 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 I tried to. No, but (laughs) that that was for real. Uh, No, but back whenever the PSP first came out um, and I got one, the first, battery. I couldn't play as many games on it because I managed to actually get one, and I had, for the first year, the only two games I had were Untold Legends, Brotherhood of the Blade, and, oh, Lord, what was the other game? It was something I didn't really care that much about. Um, but anyway, I got those. But by the time I actually figured out about the Pandora battery and being able to hack them and then download the games, I actually did that, and that got me to a point where I was playing games often enough that it became my absolute, like, this is my passion. This is how I want to consume entertainment. Uh, and then mo- moving in from that into me getting a PS3 and then actually getting more PS3 games with money at that point because I was starting to kind of get money and I would buy some with what I could and then got my own job and got a lot of games. In terms of the greatest system I've ever owned, 
it's PS3. A lot of it comes down to just the way I got the PS3, took care of it, still have it. All the games I just loved on it. There's so many franchises that I still love to this day that I played on that or re- got to rediscover on that because I love Sly Cooper, right? right? But I played them so weirdly fragmented that when Sly resistance. Cooper actually got me, where Sly Cooper got me to be like, oh my God, it is for sure one of my favorite franchises ever is when the when the remaster came out and I was able to pick it up and replay them all consecutively. And I was like, oh my God, this yeah. series is amazing. Uh, and the PS3 did a lot of that for me. It let me play a lot of PS2 games that I'd played in a weird fashion uh, again appreciate them way more. Uh, I, I played Eco, right, originally? Yeah. Up until I played it again on the remastered, I never beat it. I didn't realize how amazing of a game it was. Shadow of the Colossus, replaying it on PS3, being a little bit older, it looking better, playing better, me playing it in one like consecutive sitting, I appreciated the game way more than I did on PS2, and I thought it was yeah. awesome on PS2, right? I can see that. So the PS3 did that for me, and they also gave me like the Resistance series. It's one of my favorite series ever. Some of that's tied into nostalgia and how much I love this, the PS3 and a lot of the stuff that that game did because the PS3 and 360 Gen did a lot with pushing next the games to a next-gen thing where you're seeing games do things that did not happen on PS2. Like on Resistance, you could shoot the little... Uh, you could shoot their heat stacks. You could shoot the pipes on their back like the hoses and they yeah. would bust open and like slowly bit fizzle out and burn them out i remember when you uh when you brought the game over to ed's that one night we were all when you spent the night with us back like a decade ago it was amazing we, we, yeah you showed that was one of the first things you showed me on that and, and we, then we played it yeah motorstorm you could wreck people and then i remember in motorstorm you could pause it and move the camera around and see what was going on when you wrecked i would wreck people oh, pause it and then move the camera around and you could see like the brake calipers and the bolts flying off of the wheels and i was like this is amazing. I remember doing that with Burnout games. The amount of detail, the amount of detail that game had, it was just that there's something about that system that just blew me away. Right. Metal Gear Solid Four was the first time I played a game where the entire game as a long experience because MotorStorm decidedly felt next gen right. because of that, but it was a racing game, so it's a little different. Metal Gear Solid Four was like, holy crap. This is a next gen game. Everything about it, it was beautiful. Yeah, the way it say, played. Metal Gear Solid Four and uh, Demon Souls, which is crazy because looking back now, Demon, Demon Souls, Souls came so then. late too. It came oh nine, you know, which is wild. Yeah, and um, but man, Skyrim, Oblivion. How... I mean, you got to think all these games came out, and there are a lot that of was games all 360 that I consider to be yeah, exactly, and it's different. But for me, the PS3 had Uncharted, Infamous. Infamous is one of my favorite series ever. I wish it was in a better place right now, but I mean, it is what it is. Uncharted, fantastic series. There are games that most people probably wouldn't like. Self-Factor, Psychokinetic Wars or something like that um, was a crappy Ubisoft game that was, was ridiculous. What but game I loved did you it. say? Self-Factor, Psychokinetic Wars or something. Ask Seth about it. Me and him played the hell out of it. We were the only people playing it still. Never heard it. It was a little weird downloadable game that was so fun, though. Uh, Unreal Tournament 3, I played the hell out of on PS3. I'll say, yeah, you brought that over, too. Played that all the time. So, I mean, like, there's more time and memory with me. God of War 3 is something that will probably always stick with me. That game was amazing. And something about the way that game was. Don't have that game. (laughs) Yeah, you need to give it back to me if you're not going to beat it. You need to beat it, though, is really what it comes I down need to. to. I, I need to beat that. I need to beat The Witcher. I need to beat a lot of things. So I, PS3 stands out as my go-to system because it also just, the, the way the, enter- the entertainment hub value of it, being able to stream things from your computer to it and watch them in your bedroom when me and Blaze lived on our own was amazing. I have a lot of memories of that. Me and Blaze get, getting uh, laid off from La Coretta because it got bought out by CVS. And, yeah. <laughs> did, it, did it really, though? Yeah. Okay. That's what, that's what closed La Coretta down, the CVS that uh, is on the corner of State Line. Um, 
we got laid off and we still both worked at GameStop, but we had way more time on our hands. And Skyrim came out the day that we got laid off. And so we just went home. Oh, dude, that's, that's so similar to me. And just sat down. Me working at Journeys and like, you know, I made like minimum wage and I worked like 30 hours a week. And one of my paychecks was like $130 or something. So little. And I remember thinking like, man, I really want Skyrim, but I also really want to eat. <laughs> and I picked Skyrim and I played, I got, I took it over to Casey's house and like me and him played it for like an hour on the TV I have in the living room at my house now. Uh, and it looked amazing back then. But then I went home and I played it all the way until like 11 a.m. the next day. Yeah. And then I fell asleep for a couple hours and then I stayed up for another 24 hours. Playing the game? Playing Skyrim. Me and Blaze and that first night went home and you remember how our, the, our doors, you remember how our rooms were at the old house, right? Like right that, across from Seth's old room oh, after no, Blaze right, was out? Right down the hallway. No, they were, they were literally around the corner. Like my, my door was here. So this is the hallway. My door is here. Blaze's door is here. So, I thought that was Seth's room. Yeah, but it was Blaze's when he oh, lived there. Oh, back then? Okay. Uh, so me and him were both there with our doors wide open. Blaze didn't even have a door. That was before the house had a door there because the people who rented it screwed it up. So there was no door on his. My door's open. We're sitting there. I've got a futon of my TVs against this wall. His is on the opposing wall. And we're just sitting there yelling at each other like, dude, did you see this? This is so sweet. <laughs> and in that first week, me and Blaze both put somewhere around 100 hours into that game. It was like primitive online co-op. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I, it was like 80 hours. Me and him both put like 80 hours into it oh, the no, first I Week. definitely put in uh, 80 to 100 hours. I'll never, like, I used to work back then, like, 3 o'clock to 9 o'clock p.m. And I used to get off at, like, 9 o'clock, and I wouldn't have to work because I worked 20 hours. I worked, like, a shift and a half each week. So, like, I would I would, I would, would go home and then play for three days in a row, and then I'd, I'd play all night long, wake up at, like, I don't know, like, 10 a.m. or something, and then play for a little bit longer, go back to sleep, then go to work at 3. Or I would play until like 5 a.m. and just sleep until 2 o'clock in the afternoon and then get up and go to work. All right, well, I know this is the last question. I'm going to share one more memory because it's, it's going to tie into why I do love the Vita and some of the memories I have with it. One of my favorite memories of Vita, uh, and it's, it's when it launched, was A, it was the first time I had ever been able to pre-order a system and get it launch day, no questions asked. Blaze as well, both of us, and we both pre-ordered the uh, first edi- first week edition where you got it a full week ahead of everyone else, and you got that sweet cut, the uh, zip-up case that mine's still in over there that you can see. The beautiful came with it, uh, like and all the games, better. all the games became available a week early too for the people that got the uh, week one edition. Uh, I was at I was working the midnights at the hospital, right? Uh, and I worked at midnight at the hospital seven to seven. Got off, stayed up, came to Grandpa's house, stayed up until GameStop opened. That morning, I went and got my system, bought uh, bought Uncharted, came back here, played Uncharted the entire day, then went to my friend's house uh, for college. It was uh, I was helping her do a, a, a presentation we had to do, um, and we ended up screwing around, not even doing much of that. We were just watching me play Uncharted on Vita, like, wow, it's amazing. And so I stayed up like probably like 36 hours the first day the Vita had oh came out all together, playing Vita and just being up and that's, waiting that's in how, anticipation. That's how it was with me and Seth with the original Nintendo DS. They came with the Monster Hunters, or not Monster Hunters, Metroid Hunters demo, the cart, and me and Seth, uh, you could play those wirelessly, but it was just enough at Ed's house for our rooms to be, like us to be hanging out in our rooms and playing those games. And then we'd go to PictoChat, which is like the chat room. And, and screw just, around with yeah, the chat. It was yeah. so fun back then. So, I mean, Vita's great, but PS3 is definitely my console yeah. of all time because of what it means to me. I'm going to have to give the, the Game Boy Advance. And then, you know, if I had to do like a top five system of all times, it'd be Game Boy Advance, uh, PS4, Nintendo DS, Nintendo 3DS, PS Vita is my fifth. 
and then Switch is my sixth because I like the Switch a lot. But we do <laughs> we do thank you guys for tuning in to episode fifty. Um, you know, we hope you guys enjoy this kind of reader mail questions. They've been going on for quite a while, but that's it. We hope you guys I check the say, description for the timestamps and yeah. the videos we talked about earlier. That's on YouTube. If you're not on YouTube, don't worry about it. Um, that's true. I will too. say though, if you are new to following us, we I know we have a couple new followers on Twitter. A couple new people have hopped into the Discord chat. Uh, First of all, welcome. Thank you all for following us, joining the chat. Um, this is, if this is your first time with an episode for us, this is not, an, this is an odd episode for us, but it this is. was a community appreciation episode for us because obviously while we get, we sit down and record these and edit them and post them every week, we wouldn't do it if we didn't feel like we had people who they watched it, it and enjoyed it and yeah, that we were doing it for. Uh, so we want to, we want to say that we thank y'all, uh, for, for letting us do this for 50 episodes and giving us the drive to continue, uh, continue doing it and communicating with us and talking with us and playing games with us like toxic last night, playing with us, uh, RJ, RJ Loki, helping us, Ryan, Ryan helping John, us. I mean, we have everybody, all the all sorts of people that jump in and we talk can't to name us. Them all. We'd leave them all out. So, I mean, you know, it's still small, and I, but I love that. Um, and so if you are new to it, always feel free to hop out, talk to us, message us on PlayStation, join into our chats when we're in a chat. Don't worry. I mean, if you think we're playing something, you don't want to be a nuisance, you're not being a nuisance, join in. One of my favorite things about yeah. being on PlayStation nowadays is that random people hop into the chats. Uh, and it's it's just fun. And you know what? It's actually somewhat sparked more of my interest in playing online games and playing with people, which is good uh, because used to I would just play by myself because that's just what I was used to. I was shut off and I was kind of just do myself. Yeah. Every now and then we play together, but it wasn't often, you know? No, it's so like once a week, twice a week. This is fun and I enjoy it. And I've met a lot of really cool people this way. And I intend to keep doing that as we keep going. Like PSX again this year, I want to go to uh, as we stream more this year. It's what I want to try and do. If we can get to a point where we can stream every event, that would be awesome awesome not saying we're going to do it but we're going to work on what we can definitely going to get the ps4 uh, or sony conference in there you know maybe depending on my schedule at work bethesda and what, conference. I can, what i can swip, swap around uh, the bethesda conference and stuff uh bethesda conference if that's on a sunday maybe on a sunday i'm off which will be perfect if not but we'll always update you guys on twitter when <laughs> we'll always update you guys on twitter when uh we, we do do stuff like that so you, uh, y'all man. will be the first to know all right again thank y'all for joining us for episode 50 this is a special episode but the real special episode is episode 52 when we have officially been doing this for one year that's going to be a big deal and saw hey i always feel like i gotta say this to you too because i really do mean it thank you for joining me all these episodes over and over again Thank you, buddy. You're my buddy. I oh, love my you. Tommy. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we'll see you next week for episode 51. This has been Triangle Squared. Thank you. Thank you, guys.